Fed up with the fact checkers constantly labeling all of your posts as misinformation, missing context, or just straight up false when you know for a fact that it's not? Well, come check me out. I'm Justin over at the Fact Check This Podcast. I cover all of the shit that the fact checkers get wrong, plus general topics of the day and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. So come check it out. Fact Check This Podcast. You won't be disappointed. bell tower taking a stand for your rights your liberties and all the bullshit in between you're listening to break the bell podcast all right everybody we are here it is we're about almost all the way through the month of first month of 2022 already to believe it is we are once again here live on the break the bell podcast a little beautiful bell breakers. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yes. I can't start my show without. I, well, you, you got me into this up. whole like like you're reflective like, really? thought when you're like we're through our first month and I'm like, you're like all of really? a sudden going back to like damn it has been a whole month. I mean, it has been a whole month, and it hasn't been without the bullshit. No. I mean, we we failed to mention um, on the weekend wrap up we were going to mention those that we already lost to 2022 right, right. one being uh comedian louis anderson yeah i don't know were you a big louis anderson fan not really i remember he had a cartoon on that saturday was, mornings well that i was grew up that was, okay that okay. was my family watching every thanksgiving we have a tradition that we all sit down and watch life of louis okay. thanksgiving special oh, uh christmas every once in a while we do but for some reason the thanksgiving special we huh. always watch every I don't thanksgiving think i've ever seen that before it, it's it's hilarious and i could probably quote it backwards for you <laughs> but um so then so i knew him from that and then i knew him from family feud i didn't see much of his stand-up shit yeah okay but and then he had that show like a, a few years back he had a show uh, oh, okay. like a, some sitcom thing but okay um other other and than he was that, on family feud yeah that's right. what i said yeah, family yeah. feud he was between he was before um uh harvey oh okay Steve harvey so yeah so I, I've always appreciated his humor. He's yeah. not my favorite comedian, right. but I've appreciated him mostly because of that the Life with Louie yeah. show that he, I always He reminds watched. me of, of a security guard I used to know when I worked at the mall. <laughs> Is that a good thing? <laughs> I don't know. Just his mannerisms and how he oh, okay. and, and dealt with people. He just reminded me of that. So. I thought his cartoon was just genius. Just, yeah. I, I don't know. Just his throwback huh. to his life. I, I love it. You'll it. have to watch it. Yeah. Um, then we also lost Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Yes. Not the... Yeah. Not the Food dish. Unfortunately, Although we could lose that, and say, I would be okay. <laughs> unfortunately, we didn't lose the food dish yes. because I'd be I'd be yes better off if we lost that than the actual uh, singer. Yes. So, how old was he? Seventy four. Uh, did they yeah. ever release how he died? Or was uh, they? Well, there was a lot of people like speculating on COVID because I guess he was a big anti-vax person. Oh, of so course. I think they really had their fingers crossed that it was COVID. So please that they be could COVID. Be like, please. I mean, isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. That's the world we live in where people are like. Well, he's an anti-vaxxer. I yeah. hope that he died from COVID. Yeah, right, right, yeah. I mean, it's just like on the other side, people are always looking, well, did he just get a booster shot? Because if he just got his booster shot, that's probably why. It's just, 
this whole politicizing people's yeah. tragic losses that just irritates the shit out yeah. of me. No, it's true. Did you have like anything with Meatloaf that stood out for you? No, I don't know too much of his stuff. Okay, I'm sure I, if I heard it, I'd recognize it, but yeah. I was never. I, when I was in high school, he had that "I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that," which was a big hit. Oh, okay. And then um, I always liked that um, "A Paradise by the Dashboard Light" um, was a good song I liked. And then I always remember I remember him from Fight Club. Okay. What, he was the guy with the, the man breasts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. Was yes, him. yes. That's awesome. <laughs> Pierce says, afternoon. Good afternoon, Pierce. Hey, it Pierce, is. we haven't seen you here in a while. It, it, well, it, if you've been here, you haven't chimed in as recently, but yes. it's always good to have you on. It's always good to have the people, the, the loyal listeners on. It's always good to have the new listeners on, too. Yes. But I like seeing recurring faces. So... Another thing that 2022 possibly potentially is bringing to us is the thing we've been they've been saying is coming since the 1940s, which is yes. World War Three. Yes, the after the world that war that ended all wars, which they was, just had to come up with was another that one. World War One. That was World War Two. Okay, the World War One was the Great War. Yeah, that was World the Great War Two. Was like, well, this is. Worse than the Great War, right. but it's going to end all the yeah. wars. And yeah. how many it's wars? Like, have... We can't top this one. <laughs> and now we are on the brink, supposedly, of World yeah. War Three. If you caught our show yesterday, you would find out we are a hundred seconds from doomsday. A hundred seconds for from... three years in a row now. Yeah, this, uh, but but that's a bad thing. Um, yeah. So yeah. go back and check out that episode because uh, that I think I titled "100 Seconds to Doomsday" or something. I think so. Yeah, or something like it was, that. It's a good so, one though. It's a good... so World War Three is. Impending, Be- yes, or pending, impending. Is it pending impending. or impending? It's impending. I think it's if pending, it pending too. I think it's pending okay. too. I'll, I'll, I'll give I mean, you pending. It, it's like a check in the bank that's just sitting there pending. <laughs> sure. uh, it's it coming. We know it's coming. Sure, we just don't know when. Yeah. Just like a check in the bank. Yeah, <laughs> just teasing us. But but I thought you know I think everybody thought like after World War II like if we could intertwine our economies and our cultures. Everybody would be afraid to to go to that level because it's like there's people have too much invested. And I see that, and I think we've speculated recently when we talked about China last week. We speculate: Does U.S. ever go head to toe, toe to toe with China? We're like, no, that's never going to happen. And I think, and I'm going to get into this more in the show. There's kind of a danger in that everybody thinking nobody's going to pull the trigger right. on this because that's kind of the sentiment that happened in Germany in World War II was right. everybody's like, oh, they're not going to do anything about it. And then right. all of a sudden it's just like, oh, shit, they did something about yeah, it. And, and I could just see I could just see Korea sitting back there like, oh, oh come on. Yeah, baby. Yeah, we, I think we mentioned <laughs> yesterday yeah. that they're like the trigger happy one yeah. that, that's just waiting for yeah. anything to kick off. So they're like, we got nukes. We're just waiting for a chance to use them. <laughs> Before we get into the show, we're going to talk a lot, obviously, about World War III because I titled this, Is This World War III? And I picture in my head, you know that meme where there's that anime guy and it's a butterfly and um, it's like, is this right? Like, yeah, is this right. COVID-19 or yeah. is this I, – I picture that. Like everything that pops up, the media is like, is this yeah. World War III? Yeah. And so there's – on one side, there's the media fear porn of World War III. And then on the other side, there's like, well – there might be legitimate reason to think there's yeah. World War Three, and maybe legitimate reason to think that certain people would want to push us into th- World War Three. Uh, I, I was just gonna say, but I didn't want to jump the gun. <laughs> well, well, it's out there. It's just out there. Okay, now for okay, the world okay. See. Well, you, you saw how excited everybody was with with COVID, right? Right. Like, oh, we're gonna have to start everything over again. <laughs> well, that that's just it. Like, and I'm gonna get, get into it more. But if World War Three happened, that would 
be another way to upend yeah. uh, the economy right. the way we see it. And we've been talking for a year and a half, two, almost two years now, of how um, we think the plan is in place to upend yeah. the economy the way we know it and implement this new – bring in this new economy, this yeah. new, like uh, – what do they call it? Like a uh, – oh, shit. Um, the – the oh, form of uh, capitalism, oh, that, the, um, the, the equitable yeah, capitalism, right. or something like that, which yeah. is just another name for yeah. socialism and, and they, or they, communism. They have like like you know economy envy with China. That mm-hmm. Everybody want they they think China's got the best form that they want to duplicate. So so we got the Russia Ukraine thing that's going on. That's that's what's trigger, triggering all this because that's been the headline in the news for the last two right. days. Every news. Um, Outlet that's been the main headline is right. shit with Russia, Ukraine, right. and where that's going. But then we also have all these other things going on around the world, like we right. talked about China last week, like with Iran with their building yeah. nukes or whatever, like with North Korea just sitting there waiting to do something. Right? Yeah, and you got you got Kazakhstan and all the civil unrest there. Yeah, and that's uh, related to Russia right. too. Yeah. So a lot of reasons to think hey maybe maybe this is coming sooner than we think right. before we get into the show obviously we got to mention our war hating freedom loving coffee sponsors which is run your mouth coffee i i'm pretty sure they are against any kind of like uh foreign inter- interventions cuz that's kind of more the libertarian standpoint yeah, right. is hey let's stay out of all the shit in other countries and let's just deal with ourselves let's just take care of ourselves so i'm just going to put words in their mouth and say that they don't support a World War Three. <laughs> don't fight world wars. Drink run-your-mouth coffee. Because I think if more people drank coffee, there'd be less wars. Oh, absolutely. Especially good coffee. Absolutely. I, and we've talked that. You, do you really think Russia has good coffee? No. That's probably why they no. all hate everyone. And China only drinks tea, so yeah. that's why they hate everyone. Yeah. And, I mean, I'd be pretty pissed off if all I had to drink oh, was tea all the time. Yeah. No, not No good coffee. Right. It's got no kick to it. You so... Know? Avoid wars by drinking delicious coffee. Support delicious coffee that supports you. free speech and supports you. Go to rymcoffee.com. Tell them we sent you by using the promo code BREAKTHEBELL, and you'll get 10% off your purchase, which is an amazing capitalist yeah. venture that you will not find in yes. Russia. No. But might not. I don't know. I, I don't think you would. Probably so, not. No. Uh, <laughs> rymcoffee.com. 10% off using that promo code Break the Bell. Don't be <laughs> that, a communist. Drink, run your mouth. Don't be a communist. Don't start world wars. Drink <laughs> delicious coffee. Run your mouth coffee. The end. I think that sums it up nicely. I, I think so, too. <laughs> we got we to gotta put together a compilation of all our we <laughs> run your some mouth really good ones. Ads. We really have. We, we've fallen, fallen short on some of them. We're just like, ah, that kind of sucked. Know, but yeah. on some of them, we're just like, yeah, they, uh, that was pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get into this. Before we get into this, obviously, we got to mention, check us out all over social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram and others. Um, you can find us at most of them. Our, our handle is Break the Bell Pod, just like Break the Bell Podcast. Break the Bell Pod is our handle. Uh, share it all over the place. Share it with your friends and your neighbors and your grandmas and all those people that you love or hate because we love you for it. We love your support. We love that you guys keep coming back, and we love that you keep inviting other people back, and that's how we get our name out there and keep doing bigger and better things so we can spread the shit around and keep going further. So, spread the shit all over the place. Are you all right over there? Yeah, yeah, I was just looking up a question that we're going to get into later, so. Oh, okay. That's all. Fair. All right. Are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Let's do it. We're going to kick off this video, and when we come back, 
We're going to ask the question and maybe answer the question. Is this World War III? I like it. Here we go. What did you say? You talking to me? What what the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you saying? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. What you say? Talk to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby. Did you just say? What did you say? You listen to me. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? Who are you talking to? That's a, a cool music. It's right. kind of like this Miami Vice, like we're driving yeah, down yeah. the strip in a Ferrari type thing. It's like the prelude. To World War Three, as viewed in 1986. Oh, it would definitely be a 1986 VHS release. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At some point during the show, I will get my shit together, and things will go smoothly, or they won't, and I'm just going to keep doing this regardless. So, who cares? Either way, we're here. Either way, we're here, and we're going to make this shit go as smoothly as it does, or as rough as it does, and... Still happening. Well, you'll you'll still love us for it, hopefully, or you'll yeah. hate us, but you'll still be listening. So that's great. So, Bill, yes, sir. Without talking about anything yet, do you think? Just a preliminary question for the jury: Are we headed for World War Three in the more recent, the closer future than they were probably predicting a week ago? Not under this president. You don't think so? I know. I don't think. Uh, I don't think they have the balls. I don't think necessarily Biden has the balls, but I think maybe whoever it has its hand, their hand up Biden's ass, being his puppet master, might possibly have the balls. I, for I it. don't know. If, I don't know. I, I think they would do some backroom deals. I think they would uh, capitulate a lot. I, I don't think they would. I don't think they'd go to war. I don't do because I think at the at the end of the day, um, they they want China to succeed. They want Russia to succeed. Do you think number two? That Russia is committed to going to war. Do you think Russia is like on the verge of uh, invading Ukraine right now? Yes. You think so? I, I think they. I think they are. Okay. I, I think that they are looking at. Um, here's the way I see it. Okay. They they are allied with China, right? They got Iran, Venezuela, Cuba, um, right? It's, do China they still have Cuba. Well, yeah, I think they do. I think so. They they don't talk about it, you know, because it's got its own thing going on, but they do. It's they're silent. The the way they look at it is China's the big boy on the block. Yeah. Right? They're friends with China. That therefore that gives them some leeway to do what they want. They want to expand their borders out again. They right, want right, they, right. they want their they want their countries back that they gave up when they just disassembled the uh Soviet well, Union. Yes, the Soviet Union. And they think this is the time to do it. You got a pussy in the office. Uh, at That's fair. The White House. 
You got China as the big boy that everybody is, is you know, bowing down to. And this is Russia's chance. And so they're, they're taking it for all it's worth. So I could see that. Let me yeah. get rid of this music. And, and I think it's unfortunate because, um, you know, I, they purposely signed NATO into, or um, I'm sorry, Ukraine into NATO so that it would give them excuse to back up. Have they officially signed it? They're, they're part to- of a, a, a program that is like, a, a, they're like, they're so not like, like officially part of NATO, but they're like, they're like sidekicks of NATO. They're like the prospects in a motorcycle game. Right, right, yeah. They, yeah they're, where they do all the bitch work. We're going to haze them some. Yeah. They're going to get some, some, some beer here and there. And, <laughs> gonna, and we're going we're gonna to give gonna them a our, jacket. They're going to clean our shoes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They'll get a NATO jacket they can ride in the sidecar. But, but, what, but what do you do when someone starts picking on your sidecar guy? Right? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, but on the other hand, what does Russia do when NATO keeps encroaching further and further well, yeah. towards their borders when yeah. they've— for the longest time, had a nice even after the fall of the Soviet Union, they had a nice mm-hmm. little buffer zone. They did, yeah, between Mother Russia and yeah NATO NATO allies. And now, um, since the '90s, since like '99, that's really shoved mm-hmm. further and further and further. So we're like right at their doorstep now. What would we do in that same scenario if Russia oh. was like building up all these? Right. If Russia like got Canada and Mexico as allies, yeah. and we're just sitting sandwiched in the middle of it? Yeah, I mean, we'd be we'd be getting a little uh, yeah. trigger happy ourselves. No, I agree. But I I see what what's happening now is what happened after World War Two, mm-hmm. where Russia is kind of expanding out here and there. You know, they're they're kind of p- backing different uh, governments here and there to get you know power and position, and the United States is just like kind of kick back and being like, you better not do that. Don't cross this line. Remember that one? Yeah, Don't yeah, cross yeah. this line. And, oh yeah, that's and, a great Obama quote. Yeah. Um, the red line in the sand or yes, whatever yes. that kept moving. <laughs> the movable red line in the yeah, sand. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you did not. Okay, well, don't yeah. cross this one. Okay, we're going to set this line again a little bit yeah. further back, but make sure you don't yeah. cross this one because then gonna... we might be forced to move it again. <laughs> and maybe you didn't see it, so I'm going to make it a little bit deeper here. So uh, this has been going on for since 2014 when, right. when Russia annexed Crimea from Ukraine. Right. Yeah. And we've been talking, well, they're going to full-fledged attack Ukraine. Uh, they're on the verge of it. They're going to attack Ukraine. They're yeah. going to invade. They're going to completely take Ukraine back for themselves. And we've been talking about this. I, they've been talking about this for yeah. seven, eight years now. So what brings this back into the news so suddenly? I mean, since like probably November, December, there right. was tensions. And Biden yeah. was supposed to have the long, hard talk with Putin. Putin, which I'm sure went well. We didn't hear how it went, so obviously it went yeah. <laughs> yeah, smashing. Exactly. How you would think. The reason why it's all over the headlines this week, within the last couple of days, is because Britain has released this report of this deep, dark plot of Moscow. And it's weird to me, because you say... Uh, the U.S. isn't one that's going to want to get involved with Russia. But it almost seems like uh, U.K. is like that little brother that's trying to push his big bully, his big uh, strong brother into the fight with the bully. Like like, uh, poking the bear, poking the bear, and then he runs and gets his brother. It almost seems that's what U.K. is doing here. Well, but, I mean, look what they did with Iraq. Oh, well, there's definitely weapons of mass destruction there. We we saw it. Yeah. So yeah. you better go get them. And so we went and, and uh, yeah. didn't find anything. Yeah. So um, this, this newest report, it says, this fr- was 
immediately re- released to New York Times. Oh, sure. Why wouldn't it? I mean, they jumped on this shit. says, Britain says Moscow is plat- plotting to install a pro-Russian leader in Ukraine. And that's enough to scare the pants off oh, of sure. us. So let me uh, get this one pulled up. Because, like, I, and, and we're going to read the New York Times one, and then I got another article about the source of this information. <laughs> and it's interesting trying to figure out where this actually came from. So, like I said, this one's the New York Times. It says, in a highly unusual public statement, backed by U.S. officials, obviously, London named the putative head of potential puppet government, but few other details. It says, uh, the British government said Saturday that the Kremlin was developing plans to install a pro-Russian leader in Ukraine and had already chosen a potential candidate as President Vladimir Putin Vladimir V. Putin. I wonder his middle. It's got to be like Victor or something. Yeah, Seems, something cool like that. Yeah, Victor. I wish I had a good Russian accent I would use in this, but I would just destroy it. But <laughs> says as uh, President Vladimir V. Putin weighs whether to order the Russian forces amassed on Ukraine's border to attack. The highly unusual public communique by the United Kingdom's Foreign and Commonwealth Office issued late at night in London, comes at a moment of high-stake diplomacy between the Kremlin and the West. So it's interesting. Like, this is not a statement that UK higher-ups would have usually right. released. And especially, it's always it always makes me paranoid when they release the shit late at night. Right. When yeah. no, Hey, let, let's do this when uh, nobody's really paying yeah. that much attention, then all of a sudden it smashes into the headlines and stuff. Right. It's like, where the fuck did this come from? Right. So it says uh, Russia has deployed more than 100,000 Russian troops on Ukraine's border that could, according to American officials, attack at any moment. Okay, so there's that. There's like I think yeah. 120,000 troops now. And, well, what was um, what is Moscow's reasoning for accumulating troops at the uh, at the border? Uh, we're gonna get more into that, but okay. basically, they see NATO as a threat, like encroaching on their territory and they are completely against ukraine joining nato sure so one of their big things is you can't allow ukraine to join nato that is one of our stipulations here but they're not according to them they have no intentions of attacking right so like i said we'll get more into some of that stuff but um because i got some other articles that say it better than i say it but that's that's basically the gist of it is uh russia feels threatened by nato being on its border, and so then NATO feels threatened that Russia is amassing troops on its own border. Right, yeah. So, again, if Russia was building up a military presence in Mexico, what do you think we would do? I think we would have troops there. We have troops on the Mexico border? Or, or or maybe maybe even in Mexico, maybe we would we would just give uh, guns to all the immigrants on the border and tell them to hold strong. <laughs> but then they would just that's come. an Obama th- strategy. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. The information being released today shines a light on the extent of Russian activity designed to subvert Ukraine and is an insight into Kremlin thinking. Liz Truss, Britain's Britain's for, foreign secretary, said in a statement. Russia must de-escalate in its campaigns of aggression and disinformation and pursue a path of diplomacy. 
The British announcement was the second time in just over a week that a Western power had publicly accused Russia of meddling in Ukraine's internal affairs, part of a concerted effort to pressure Mr. Putin to de-escalate. Who else do we see meddling in Ukraine's right. internal affairs? Right, maybe the United States. United States, NATO, uh, NATO the UK, uh, some of those. <laughs> like, look, you need to back off Ukraine because we want them to be partners with well, us. We want to put a pro-U.S. <laughs> yeah, president exactly. there, so you cannot put a pro-Russia yeah, exactly. president leadership in Ukraine because that would completely go against our <laughs> agenda. Yeah. It says, on January 14th, the United States accused the Kremlin of sending saboteurs into eastern Ukraine to create a provocation that could serve as a pretext for ev- invasion. So, supposedly, according to the U.S., Russia is sending people to sabotage things in Ukraine sure, to provoke Russia attacking Ukraine or provoke Ukraine to attack Russia so then Russia could attack Ukraine. Gotcha. So create a false flag to make it look like... Yeah, something like that. And then or uh, uh, Russia would have to move in. It just kind of seems like the trend throughout the world. We yeah, see it right? with um, Israel and Gaza. We see it with it's, Syria. We see, uh, it's really become cliche lately. Like, it is. I mean, it's like, come, come on, on come guys. up with something Come up better. with something else. Makes you wonder if that's actually what Russia's doing. Yeah. Because it says, the new accusation from Britain provided a few provided few details about how Russia might go about imposing a new government on Ukraine. And the communique... Communication. Why can't they just say communication? I know. It, it's trying to be fancy. Stuff. Did not say whether such plans were contingent on an invasion by Russian troops. British officials familiar with the situation, who spoke on a condition of anonymity, said the intent was both to head off the activation of such plans and to put Mr. Putin on notice that this plot had been exposed. Ooh, he's on notice. So they figured out this plot's going on. They don't know how they're going to do it. Or if it would even involve Russian troop invasion, they just they're like, hey, they're thinking about putting I think any country that has some kind of interest in another country wants to put a pro us government in place. That's right. It's not an evil plot, in my opinion. Now, if they are like uh, meddling with their elections or or something like that, what supposedly they did here in the United States and got Donald Trump elected, you know, that would be that would be dark and evil. Absolutely. But. If they're just like, you know, we're going to help kind of we kind of want to help prop up this guy because he's more on our side. Right. That's yeah, that doesn't seem that evil to no. me. But this is all over and this is sparking some serious um, reaction from NATO, from the United States to the point where Joe Biden went from we're not going to support Ukraine with troops, just not going to happen. To just today, uh, yesterday or today, he announced that he's got 8,500 troops on standby waiting to deploy to Ukraine. Hmm. So just like that, we are reactionary. So you say that he's not one to pull the trigger, but man, he sure is posturing like he's one oh, to pull the trigger. Of course he's posturing. That I don't think he will. Says in Washington, officials say they believe the British at- intelligence is correct. Well, we must believe it then if well, Washington <laughs> believes it. Right. Two officials said it has been collected by British intelligence services. I mean, that that says it all. Within the informal intelligence alliance known as Five Eyes, Britain has primary responsibility for intercepting Russian communications, which is why it played a major role in exposing Russian interference in the 2016 elections. Wow. So now we know know how legit this 
this is yeah. because they're the ones that exposed the meddling in the yeah. 2016 elections, which clearly that fixed yeah. everything for them exposing yeah. that. So I'm thinking Five Eyes has no credibility right now. Beto, Beto, I haven't heard from you in a while, says Russia wants to own Ukraine like most people want to own a 2003 Saturn. <laughs> That's fair. And he says the elite want to reduce the number of sovereign governments on the face of the earth. A continuation of their imperial enterprise. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, the lack of agreed-upon strategy on how to deal with the Russian over Ukraine is an open secret. Posturing taken by the Biden administration on Ukraine is empty. The consequence of U.S. rejection of Russia's demands will more than likely be war. So I, I agree with all that stuff. We'll get yeah. into more of that later. So we got this, like I said, this uh, British communique. And I have my doubts about it because apparently it came from anonymous officials. Oh, I love when they use anonymous officials. And the evidence for it is secret. <laughs> That's even better. So we don't know where it came from. Yeah. And the evidence of it, we can't even see. Yeah. And people like uh, publications like the New York Times are just jumping on it like, oh, this thing is happening based yeah. on our anonymous source through uh, top secret evidence that we haven't seen. This is happening. Yeah. When was the last time the New York Times reported on from an anonymous source about seek from secret information stuff about it was something that Trump did, remember? And, and it was all over the place. And they were talking about um, what was it? Was it? I don't remember, but I was I it bounties on soldiers or, yeah, or I think yeah. that was it. Yeah. yeah. And that was like breaking news. And, and then they it came out and turned out to be bullshit. Yeah. It was uh, Russia was putting bounties on U.S. soldiers yeah, right. in the region. And yeah, it, it definitely turned out to be complete fabricated and yeah. they looked like a bunch of fucking morons yeah. which what, here we are again here we are again <laughs> they don't learn the lesson so this one uh this is from zero hedge it says major western news publications are running a story about a sinister plot by the russian government and you may want to sit down for this the source of the report are anonymous and the evidence is secret <laughs> the new york times reports that according to anonymous individuals within the u.s and british governments russia is currently plotting to topple the existing government of ukraine in some way using some method and then somehow installing a <laughs> puppet regime that is sympathetic to moscow using some sort of means <laughs> sounds sinister <laughs> It's I'm true. glad their intelligence is really like doing the overtime on this. I'm I'm glad Zero Hedge <laughs> is we have a source like Zero Hedge that will come out and say the things we're saying. Yeah. That's just like based on what? Yeah. Ba so how are they doing this? Uh so when are they doing it? What are they yeah. doing? Oh, so it's just a thing. Right. So Russia plans to do a thing. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> right. And this is coming from somebody. <laughs> it says uh the uh, British officials familiar with the situation, this is quoting the New York Times, who spoke on a condition of anonymity, said the intent was both to head off the activation of such plans as well as put Putin on notice that his plot had been exposed. Uh, somebody named Aaron Matei on Twitter said, Sounds like Britain has taken what the U.S. actually did to Ukraine in 2014 and rebooted it for Russia. Here's Obama, Biden official Victoria Nuland, and then U.S. Ambassador Jeffrey Pyatt privately deciding to install Arseny Yatsenyuk, Yatsenyuk as Ukraine's next prime minister. So, so we did this yeah. in 2014 yeah. when Russia first invaded. We put in our pro. Yeah. Uh, Somebody Ukraine. who would want to go with NATO. Yeah. So, it, I mean, they're just following our playbook. 
Yeah. And, and now is this guy the, the is he Hunter Biden's buddy? <laughs> Probably. Sure. Says now if you are hoping to be provided with some sort of evidence for these incendiary claims, I'm afraid I'm going to have to disappoint you. Because get this, the journalists reporting on the story have not seen any evidence. <laughs> Apparently, they're just passing on unverified government assertions made by unknown spies to their readers because they were told to, which I guess is something journalists can do now. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that article. Yeah. But, but like I said, all this stuff that's in the news this week is sparked from this yeah. uh, UK communication. Yeah. That we don't know where it came from, who said it, or what evidence proves it. And that's enough for Biden to be like, I got 8,500 troops on standby. Right. I'm sending weapons. I think this week he sent like millions of dollars of weapons to Ukraine so, yeah. Yeah. because of this. And it's just like, based on what? Well, maybe, I, I guess maybe Biden knows the source or like our secret yeah, ser- intelligence I, I services. Yeah. Biden doesn't because Biden doesn't even know where right. he is right now. But, but, but our intelligence Handler services does. might know the source. Yeah. But still, are we going to support something based on little to no evidence right. or little to no, not being shown the evidence? That's how we got into Iraq. That's yeah. how we fucked up Iraq pretty yeah. <laughs> pretty bad because yeah. uh, because like you said at the beginning, our intelligence of Weapons of mass, WMDs. Uh, yeah, it came from British intelligence. Yeah, and it, came, it turned out to not be very true. Yeah. But yeah. We, we decimated the country in the process and lost a lot of troops in the process. And, and uh, to be honest, the New York Times is the wrong newspaper to send that to because mm-hmm. most of the people there are, are very anti-war anyways. Now, if you send it to Fox or the World's Wall Street Journal, then those people will be like, oh, fuck Russia. We need to go take care of this shit. They might be anti-war, but they are pro on the side of, hey, let's turn this thing upside down and start well, from scratch. They are. That's true. That's true. But I can't imagine that's going to be their, their first reaction. I, uh, why? Then why would they report on it? Why? I mean, they jumped on it and yeah. ran with it and didn't, didn't try to refute it in any way. It's right. like Zero Hedge is like, based on what? You yeah. never, you didn't see that. Uh, in the unless New York they're going to somehow try to turn this around and blame Trump for it. <laughs> oh, probably. I mean, Trump cozied up with Putin all this time, yeah. and now look what we are left to deal with here. So my question then is, what does the UK have to gain in all this by pushing its big brother into right. the fight? It's a good question. The only thing I can come up with is <clears throat> the UK just pulled out of the EU. I don't know if you knew that, but they they did pull out of the EU. Okay. The EU is very like tiptoeing around Russia because a lot of the oil right. that they get comes from Russia. Russia. So maybe it's just to stick it to the EU. Yeah, that's and possible. be like, look, you guys are just fucking around with Russia and we don't like you anyway. Yeah. So let's push everybody into war because most of the EU is going to have to follow in a war based on Right. NATO allies. Right. That's all I but can think of. How would that swing though? Say, take Germany for instance. All right, NATO ally mm-hmm. gets their oil from Russia. Which horse are they going to want to back? Right. That that's just it. Yeah. That's that's the whole thing. It's just like, where does this go when? Yeah. It's just like if we went to war with China. It's like a lot of our commerce comes from China. Right. So yeah. how does that play so, out? So. If if something were to happen, and this is a big if, what's the possibility of the the dismantling of NATO based on the fact that 
a number of countries that are part of NATO get their oil from Russia, and they're not going to want to go after the country that they get their oil from because then they're fucked. Well, so, I, I feel like a lot of our tight-knit alliances are unraveling anyway. Well, they've been unraveling since for Trump, a long time. Since, since, since Obama, Since Obama, yeah. And so this could be the war that <laughs> ends NATO, not based on necessarily losing, but maybe mm-hmm. just different people and their alliances and their, their own per- country's interests, their own national interests, right. that are affected by this. It's just like, well, I've got close... Like, I'm not... A Russian ally, but I have economic ties with Russia, right, yeah. so I I can't really go to war with that. Are you gonna right fill that that Do you need? got oil for me? Right. <laughs> Maybe that's so certain countries can take back control of those supply lines. Yeah, that would make or sense. Or like uh, be the number one supplier of. Yeah. I mean, there's always some kind of financial gain in there wars. It it's yeah. not just oh we don't like that they're picking on this guy. No, it's just no. like. Ukraine has something that yeah. we want, or it's a tr- strategic place that we want. There's some right. financial gain to this. That's yeah. the only reason why we give two shits about Ukraine. Because yeah. what was it about Kazakhstan that uh, Russia needed? What, they're, aren't they, they're a major producer of something that Russia needs. There was a few things in there. There were like, like a lot of their nuclear uh, uranium That's came right. from there. Yes. There, was, there okay. was quite a few things yeah. that came out of Kazakhstan that would be why they don't want that place to destabilize. Right. And that... The the fact that Russia put troops in there to restabilize it was another chance for us to look over and be like, look, they're putting they're troops like, in yeah. another country. They're yeah. they're trying to expand. Well, guess what Russia's done since then? They yeah. pulled their troops back out now that it's kind of right. stabilized out a little bit. So yeah. and, and Kazakhstan is one of those. I mean, they they do have a pro-Russian president there. Mm-hmm. You know, he is one that requested Russia's assistance to kind of get things back right. together. So if there's troops in there, it's because he asked for them. Right. It's not uh, Russia trying right. to invade right. uh, while they are, like, kick a man while he's down right. or anything like that. And by no means am I pro-Russia in all of this, but I don't think no, but we're on a better path say, here. Yeah, but but we're, we try to call it down the middle mm-hmm. as much as possible, and that's what we're trying to do here. And I don't think we're the, the saviors of the world that we're just no. here to um, instill democracy into right. all the... No, we, like I said, we... Yeah, we being just the United as, States as or Beto NATO. said, the United States is as, as elite as anybody with imperial dreams, mm-hmm. and they love to to establish their freedom wherever freedom. they can. They hate us because they hate our freedom, right? So uh, Russia didn't really care for the UK's allegation. Oh, I imagine there. they wouldn't. They responded to UK's very dangerous allegations. So they're calling. <laughs> They're re- they're calling the UK's rhetoric as dangerous. Like, hey, we're, we're trying to sort something out here. Yeah. Be- being the U.S. and yeah. Russia, there's been negotiations going back and forth, and I, I mean it's got heated. So they're like, you're threatening to fuck all this up for right. all of us. Yeah. That's basically what Russia is yeah. saying. So let me pull this one up. It says. Uh, Russia blasted this weekend's allegations by the UK government that is planning to install a pro-Kremlin puppet leader in Ukraine. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to get into all that. Every article is going to repeat yeah. the things and, that we've said. And to be honest, any any leader that comes up that is not the pro-U.S. guy, mm-hmm. the one that Obama wanted in there, or, or Trump or whoever, yeah. is going to be considered pro-Russian. Oh, of course. says the Kremlin responded by urging London's foreign 
office to stop pushing nonsense and disinformation. It sounds like he went full-blown Donald Trump. He's like, stop using fake news. I can't do my Putin accent. I'm sorry. Uh, while further highlighting that the U.K. has merely been on the sidelines as a diplomatic dialogue and a way forward is being sought by Moscow, Brussels, and Washington. Basically said, you guys aren't even part of this. Yeah. You're only doing this because you're left out of these. You're just been yeah. sidelined in all these negotiations. You're just trying to be like, but, but, but did you hear that they said that they wanted to put a yeah. pro and, and, you know, just trying to get, right, yeah, like get in the mix of it? <laughs> Says, we strongly urge London to stop foolish rhetoric and provocation, which are very dangerous in the current overheated situation, and contribute to the real diplomatic efforts to ensure reliable guarantees for European security, the statement issued by Russian embassy in the UK said. The latest news concerning Russians' plans to bring power to in Kiev, former Yurkovnia Rada deputy who remains under Moscow sanctions as a person posing a threat to national security, is completely anecdotal, the embassy says. Having found itself on the sidelines of a real diplomatic process, London views its role in the constant incitement of anti-Russian sentiment. The logic is simple. Every day, accuse Russia of plotting inevitable invasions of UK and try to play the role of an ideological leader, defending itself from autocrats and aiming to the free world. The statement continued. <laughs> um, then it goes into the statement that the the communication that yeah. Britain said that we've already read. So um, yeah. they're basically just saying, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. You're not even part of yeah. all this shit. You, you stopped being relevant in the late 1700s. Yeah. I'm no, sorry. Nobody gives a shit about you yeah. and you're just trying to... Uh, Pretend to be the big boy right, on the block yeah. with, with everybody else or try to get back yeah. on that stage. So sit down, shut up, let the big boys do the talking yeah. is basically yeah. what it sounds like Russia is saying there. And it's it's funny because even that guy that uh, the U.K. accused Russia of trying to prop up as the new leader, he released a statement that's just like, wow, to my shock and disbelief, I'm going to be the next president of the U <laughs> of Ukraine or something right. like that. It was it was really funny his um statement there. Um yeah, this is what he had to say. Uh, former MP Evgeny Murayev said this as cited in Russian media. It says you've made my evening. The British Foreign Office seems confused. Murev told the, the Observer, explaining that he has been under Russia's own sanctions since 2018. So he's not even a Russian ally, yeah. apparently. In a separate statement in Strana News, uh, Murayev further mocked the claim by saying, how the UK's Secret Service and Foreign Office squared the sanctions with Russia, supposedly wanting to make me the head of an occupation government, that's a question for Mr. Bean. <laughs> so Damn, He pulled out Mr. Bean. <laughs> he did, which is like a UK treasure, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, so what do you think of this so far? <laughs> it's a joke. Do you, but, like I said, everybody is yeah reacting to this. Right, right. Like Russia saying, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. That guy's like, dude, this is a fucking joke. And Biden is like, oh, shit, we better get troops ready because of this uh, shit. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I... I see all this going on and, and, you know, the media making a big deal out of it. And, yeah, Biden saying, well, we got 85 troops about ready to go. Um, he wouldn't say it like that. No. But. Um, no. Eighty-five thousand. Um, so, eighty-five a million bazillion troops. Yeah. 
No, Mr. Biden. But but it goes back to what I was saying yesterday. It's awfully quiet politically right now. Mm-hmm. So what 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 is the other hand doing as they try to make it seem like we're on the brink of World War Three with Russia and the Ukraine? Well, on one hand, over there in the UK, isn't aren't they trying to oust the prime minister over there? Isn't he He's under been a under lot of pressure fire for having a lot of parties during the lockdown? So yes. wouldn't like some Russian like right. conflicts maybe distract from his own internal Absolutely. affairs he's got going right. on over there? Yeah. So that I Wouldn't mean, that surprised me. That's that, that. There's that potential. Yeah, that's probably more than likely the case. It's like, dude, we got to get something kicking off in the world because everybody's looking at me right now, yeah. and I and I really need people to stop staring at me because yeah. this is this is hurting my feelings a bit. So I guess we should take a look at this Russian-Ukraine conflict because I mean, like I said, it's been ongoing. Well, right. it's been ongoing since the end of the fall of the Soviet Union, but since. Right. 2014, there's pretty much been ongoing war. Um, So this is from AP News, which is not my favorite news source, but, I mean, we got to get our sources wherever we can find them. Says analysis, the crisis in Ukraine, a showdown of two worldviews, which I wholeheartedly agree with that. You've got Russia, who is former communist, but more... Uh, like less communist. What, what yeah, would you even call less. them now? What I, would you call I, them now? That is a good question. Because they're not democratic, but they do no. elect. But Putin declared himself to be ruler forever. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. more of a uh, uh, um, kind of dictatorship kind now. Kind of. But <laughs> man, I don't even know how to. Uh, how, yeah, I know. <laughs> but the government does control a lot of shit. Yeah, still, yeah. they do. Like a, a lot of media, economy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Completely different worldview than. We have here. Right, right, which is, you know, freedom. Supposedly. (laughs) Right. So this one says, The crisis in Ukraine is hardly going away. A showdown of two worldviews that could upend Europe. It carries echoes of the Cold War and resurrects an idea left over from the 1945 Yalta Conference that the West should respect a Russian sphere of influence in Central and Eastern Europe. So it kind of makes sense that they're a little pissy when uh, NATO's encroaching on their territory because... There's been all kinds of agreements with Russia that said, we're not going to encroach on your territory. Yes. Starting back in 1945, after the fall, then after the fall of the Great Wall, after the the crash of the Soviet Union, there were still agreements in place. It's like, don't worry, we're not going to encroach in your buffer space. That was kind of an agreement. It's like, you give Germany back to Germany, and we won't encroach on your buffer zone there. Well, since then... Things have changed, yes, dramatically. Yes, so it's you got something. Uh, real, real quick. Um, okay, <laughs> the government of Russia exercises executive power in the Russian Federation. The members of the government are the prime minister, the deputy prime minister, the federal ministers, and they're all Vladimir Putin as <laughs> its legal basis in the Constitution of the Russian Federation and the federal constitutional law of the government of the Russian Federation. The apparatus of the government of Russia is a governmental body which administrates the activities of the government, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, According to the 1991 amendment to the 78 Russian Constitution, the president of Russia was the head of the executive branch and headed the Council of Ministers in Russia. Um, According to the current Constitution, the president is not a part of the government of Russia, which exercises executive power. But the president does appoint the prime minister. 
The chapter 6 of the Constitution of Russia says the government of the Russian Federation consists of the chairman of the government of the Russian Federation, deputy chairman of the government, and all federal ministers. I'm so confused. Uh, basically, the way I get it is um, the Russian president decides who the prime minister is going to be, and the prime minister runs like this cabinet office of... Well, well wasn't it Putin was president, and then he became prime minister, right? Yeah, yeah. He was president, and I think he was... He appointed himself prime yes, minister. Yes, he I appointed think. himself prime minister for, for life, all time. I believe. <laughs> yes, yes. Great. So this one goes on. It says, uh, uh, we got to go quick because we're already eating up a lot Shit, of our time. Already? It says, in a millennium-spanning treatise last summer... Uh, titled The Historical Unity of Russians and Ukrainians, Putin tipped his hand. He insisted that the separation of Russians, Ukraine, and Belarus into separate states is artificial due to largely political mistakes during the Soviet period. So basically saying primarily Ukraine is primarily Russians. Yes. Belarus is primarily, primarily Russians. So it doesn't make sense to have us separate in states, and that's just um, uh, political mistakes that the Soviet Union, yeah, the, but, forced. But yeah, there. But I believe it was kind of, kind of, one of those things where it's like they weren't. So they they weren't strong enough to have a central power. Yeah. Right. So they thought that if they broke into separate Russian states. And Basically. then right, and then after the fall of the Soviet Union, they're like, no, these are now sovereign right. states. Yeah, exactly. And, but um, but he, they were always intended to still be Russian pro states. Pro-Russian, yeah. Right. So um, it says his Russia Russo-centric view of the region poses a crucial test for U.S. President Joe Biden, who already is grappling with crises on multiple domestic fronts. Um, I'd say that's an understatement. It is, yeah. So at the time, so whenever this posted, it says Biden ruled out military intervention to support Ukraine and instead has employed intense diplomacy and rallied Western allies to support what he promised will be severe and painful sanctions against Russia if it dares to invade Ukraine. So this gets into, like, the, the buffer zone, that right. the contested buffer zone. Right. It says Putin's strategy has been to try to recreate the power and a defined sphere of influence that Russia lost with the fall of the Berlin Wall, at least in the area of the former Soviet Union. He has bristled at what he sees as Western encroachment into countries of the former Warsaw Pact, which is like the buffer countries, right. uh, which had once formed a pro-Soviet buffer between the USSR and NATO. Since then, so that, that was in the 80s when the Berlin Wall fell, right. and they still had that buffer zone, but since then... Poland, Hungary, and the Czech Republic were allowed to join NATO in 1999, mm -hmm. which is right before Putin came to office right. on uh, New Year's Eve of 1999, mm -hmm. uh, which scared the shit out of everybody, like especially right. the Y2K people. Oh, yeah. Followed, by, followed in 2004 by Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, and Slovakia. So all those previously yeah. Soviet buffer states— we're allowed into NATO. Right. So Putin's like getting a little um, right. anxious. Their buffer zone is suddenly gone. Yeah. They're they're pushing closer and closer. So and, and, and and as far as like I could tell, it would be like if if Russia reached out to California and was like, Hey, do you want to join our, our, 
our group that we're putting together. Well, yeah, it's like if California decided to break away or right. something. Right. But still was kind of pro-United States at the right. time. And then Russia's like, hey, we'll give you a better deal if right. you're one of our allies. And the U.S. would be like, uh, no, fuck that. Yeah, right. And so we're sending troops to the border of California. Which is uh, for, like threatening to invade California. Right. It says, for similar reasons, both Ukraine and Georgia... Okay, so it says, subject to post-World War II Soviet domination, the countries were eager to join the Western Defense Alliance and the Western free market system to secure independence of prosperity after the fall of the Iron Curtain. Do you think NATO went there to offer them freedom and independence and prosperity, or do you think it was, so we have a nice buffer against Russia now? No, that's it, exactly. Had nothing to do with their freedom. Yeah. It says, for similar reasons, both Ukraine and Georgia also want in and have been recognized by NATO as aspiring members of the alliance. Russia contends that NATO's expansion violates commitments made to it after the Berlin Wall's collapse in exchange for Moscow's acceptance of the reunification of Germany. So like I said, there was like a, a deal yeah. where, hey, if we give Germany back to Germany, then we won't encroach on your buffer space. Everybody will be fine. Uh, we'll stay over here. You stay over there. But since then... Yeah. Um, We've been, not us, but NATO at least, right. mostly us, mostly has us. been <laughs> pushing further and further towards that border. Right. Says early in his presidency, Putin did not show adamant opposition to NATO. Um, he suggested in a 2000 BBC interview that Russia might even be interested in joining NATO. <laughs> that would have fucked things up, wouldn't it? Have? Says now, however, Putin sees the alliance as threatening Russia's security. Newer NATO countries take the opposite view. They regard Russia, which boasts the region's largest military and vast nuclear arsenal, as the real threat, which is why they rushed to join NATO, afraid that a strength in Russia might someday try to impose its dominance. Little did they know about the dominance on the other side that right. might be imposed. Yeah. So that's kind of the tension yeah. which going on. So then we got uh, Ukraine... Which Russia went in 2014 and annexed Crimea from Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And then since then, there's just been this ongoing thing. And Ukraine's been trying to join NATO, like we said, and they kind of took them under their wing. Yeah. And Russia is basically like, if you, if you even think about yeah. allowing Ukraine, that's the final straw. That right. is the line in the sand. Right. Yeah. So that's why they're building up troops. And they have all these demands. Like, basically, the demand is... Don't let Ukraine join NATO. Right. That's all they really want out of this, which I guess what side do you take on that, though? Because I, I see how Russia should be would be concerned about this. Right. But if Ukraine as a sovereign nation wants to join an alliance. Right. They should be able to. Is it up to Russia to make that decision for them? Right. But then when you look at it, <clears throat> the U.S. is kind of. And the, the world stage is kind of really hip hypocritical in this whole thing because Russia is like, hey, uh, that's just a separate state, but it's still part of us. Mm -hmm. It's former Soviet Union. We still recognize them as part of us. Right. And the world stage is like, no, no, they're they're separate. But then if you look at China, what we keep talking about, and they just keep turning a blind eye, like, or not even turning, like, they're perpetuating it by yeah. saying, uh, you know, uh, that Taiwan thing, we'll call it Chinese Taipei at the Olympics. Right, yeah. Uh, we won't uh, really lift a finger if you say Hong Kong is yours or or what have you. Right. 
So I, I feel like Russia's looking at how the world is treating China and being yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> why can't you do that with us? Yeah, exactly. We've got, I mean, they just got the little island of Taiwan. We've got Ukraine. We've got Belarus. We've got uh, Georgia. We got yeah. all these things that are technically ours. The only reason they're not ours is because somebody else said that they're not ours. Right. So technically, legally, yeah. they should maybe still be ours. Right. Yeah. Not trying to give them excuse. Right. But I can see how they would look at no, that it, and it be makes like, sense. What the fuck? Absolutely. Yeah. So everybody's bending over backwards for China. Right. But and Putin's over here like Putin's like I just want a buffer zone. All I'm asking for is a buffer zone. Yeah. And the rest of the world's like, eh, n- no. Yeah. But, no. but that's why, I mean, we had talked last week about how we felt China was going to move um, more westward to build their buffer zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's wanting their own buffer zone, first of all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting, though, because Russia and China are kind of, kind of allies in all of this. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about what world war would look like based on the allies and sure. stuff and all of that. But... Uh, the the biggest thing is Russia is concerned that since 1999, when all those states were allowed to join NATO, that power balance mm-hmm. is, has greatly shifted right. away from their favor and more in favor of NATO. Yeah. So uh, the power balance is no longer there that they thought was there. It's like, you May- guys got maybe. your NATO states, we got our... Or Russian states. Russian states. Maybe Putin, all he really wants is someone to say, hey, come play with NATO. <laughs> yeah. C- come come with us. Come all on. I, come on. It's okay. All I wanted, I, I, I'm not saying I would join NATO. I just wanted you to ask. <laughs> exactly. They want, they want like a goodwill hunting moment where, where, you know, Robin Williams comes up and he's like, hey, Vladimir, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not Those your fault. Don't, out my don't fuck coffee. with me, man. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> you're, you're about to rip your mic cable out. Um, it's uh, yeah. It's like I don't want to go hang out with you, but I want to be invited to hang out right. with you. <laughs> exactly. That's all I ever want. That's all I want. Yeah. Is to be invited to play with you. So seriously, I, I think Joe should try that. Joe Biden should try that. He should just be like, "Hey, do you want in on some of this action?" Yeah. And Russia might be like. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, no, never actually, ask. no, but thanks for asking. Now, uh, when, you know what? We're going to move our troops back to Moscow. Uh, you guys, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll leave Ukraine alone, yeah. but th- thank you. Do you want Belarus, too? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh gosh. So, let's take a look at the sides okay. that would happen in a world war. Because okay. this is all about Russia. But we've talked about everything else that's going on and, and, in the world. And I'm going to submit to the jury that I think if there is a third world war, mm-hmm. everybody's going to want in on it. You think? I think so. Like the entire world. I, I, Maybe I, not Africa. Africa's not, like, just leave us the fuck alone. <laughs> I, I think parts of Africa will because I, they, they owe China. Right? That's true. They won't and, want in on it, but they'll be forced in on right. it. Right. But but the countries that you never thought would want to be a part of this would be a part of this. I think Brazil would want to be in on it. And sure. I think because Venezuela has partnerships with Russian allies that you could see it carry over to the South South America. I I could see that. I could definitely see that. Um because we've seen alliances forming with China mm-hmm. and South America, Russia and South America. Yeah. And so, yeah, I could see that. 
Um, but looking at the sides, first of all, looking at Russia, Ukraine, like who's right, who's wrong, who's the wrongest, I guess. Yeah. Um, Russia does have 100,000 troops at the border. Russia. That's a lot of troops. Back in September, September 10th of last year, Russia and Belarus launched massive mil military drills in the region. Russia's been doing military drills outside of Iran, or not Iran, uh, Ireland. Outside I, Ireland? Yeah, in, in, uh, it's in, uh, oh, in international water. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But it's in uh, Ireland airspace, I guess. So how does that work, that if you're in the water, you're in international space, but if you're in the air, like yeah. as soon as you jump, right. you're now in it, that Ireland's airspace. So they've been pushing into that. So September 10th, uh, Russia and Belarus launched a massive military drill. And, and don't forget, Belarus has been kind of a dick to Poland lately. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they've they been, were the ones they're, pushing they're, their... Yeah, they're, they're inviting, they're inviting um, Muslim um, is immigrants to come through their... And go to Poland. Yeah, just <laughs> so, just, uh, just come on through. You're you're good to go. Just you're destabilize good to go. Poland. Yeah, exactly. So that was September 10th that Russia and Belarus were playing big massive war games. Okay. On September 20th, the U.S., NATO, and Ukraine were holding military drills in Ukraine. So who's provoking more here? Because I I only see the these military games as provocative. Oh, like absolutely. when we do yeah. military drills off the the yeah. coast of China. It's like, of all the places we could do host military drills, why do we pick off the coast of China or off the coast of one of our arch enemies if it's not to provoke a war? Absolutely. So both sides are very provocative, yeah. I think, in that sense. Um, again, NATO's been sending supplies, troops, or whatever into Ukraine. Yes. Uh, Russia's been putting 100,000 troops at the border. So... There's that. Russia did have the whole downfall of annexing Crimea. So it's easy for people to say, well, yeah, they say they're not going to attack Ukraine. But remember, they did attack Ukraine right. already. Yeah. So they've got that going against them. There's reports that Russia's got 35,000 rebels, like pro-Russian rebels in Ukraine, fighting pro on the Ukraine side. Okay. But R Russia's saying, we don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So... All this, like, pro provocation, I guess. Yeah. Whether it's through words, like, accusing the other side, or it's through building up in military games and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Putin obviously blames the West for the fears rising in the region because of the expansion of NATO. We already talked about that. So let's get into uh, World War Three because we are cutting short into getting close to being break time already. Okay. Um, so let's look at Russia's main allies. If we were to go to war against Russia, okay, we've already kind of speculated China, Iran, yeah, whatever. Right. But they're but, the easy ones. Yeah, we got to take a look at who all would be a Russian ally and yeah. how, and their alliances. And I, I'm not going to get into all of NATO alliances because there's there, a lot there's of them. A lot. Yeah. But Russia's main allies. This is from RussiaBeyond.com. Russia says, Russia isn't part of a powerful NATO-like military alliance, but still has some political and economic partners around the world. Political and economic, but would probably jump if Russia told them to jump oh, yeah. because of these political and economic ties. Especially if they aren't friends with the United States. Oh, yeah, obviously. says, some of them are even obliged to back Russia in case of conflict. Russia only has two allies, its army and its navy, according to Alexander III back in the 19th century. Oh. That, that's a quote that people still use today. Um, 
Russia's only loyal ally is themselves. Okay. So they could turn on a dime on anybody, I think. Yeah. Says um, even uh, Vladimir Putin cited uh, Alexander III when asking or answering the question about Russia's allies in 2015. Though quickly clarified that he was just joking, and Russia definitely has foreign allies, but who are they? So here's some post-Soviet allies following the Soviet follow the Soviet Union. Says uh, speaking of countries that Russia has legally binding agreements of mutual defense with, first and foremost are members of the Collective Security Treaty Organization or CSTO. Okay, an intergovernmental alliance created in 1992 that now. Unites six post-Soviet states: Russia, Armenia, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and Tajikistan. That's a lot of stands. That is a lot of stands. According to the CSTO Charter, among its aims is providing collective protection in case of menace to safety, stability, territorial integrity, and sovereignty of okay. member states. So, if any one of those, their integrity or sovereignty yeah. is threatened, the other states are supposed to legally come and help. Document emphasizes that the members prefer political means to achieve the group's goals, yet the CSTO still boasts a combined military force numbering around 25,000 troops. Treaties. It says the CSTO forces have never been called into combat, but the organization conducts regular military training exercises. While clarifying who Russia's allies are in 2018, Putin's press secretary, Dmitry Peskov, mentioned the CSTO members first. Uh, two other countries have legally binding agreements with Russia are Ab ha Abkhazia and South Ossetia. I don't even know where those are. No. Both self-proclaimed republics recognized by only five UN members, including Russia. Mm. Moscow guarantees the protection of these republics, and they in turn are obliged to help Russia in case of an attack. Who else is involved? Strictly speaking, that's all the countries Russia has military treaties with, but a number of other states are sometimes referred to as Russian allies. Uh, Syria, take Syria, clearly, Russia helps Bashar al-Assad's government a lot in militarily and political terms. Uh, Peskov said, of course Syria is our ally. So we but got Syria. I, I would be willing to bet Syria's kind of got their hands full. Yeah, yeah, probably. But Russia's done a lot to keep... Al-Assad oh, oh, in power. Have, absolutely. They, that was his, their main backer. Yeah, I mean. so I think if he called in his chips, oh, yeah. they would have to. Yeah, he would have to, but again, I, I think he's got his hands full. Another example is China. The Asian economic giant is a member of the BRICS and Shanghai Corporation Organization, SCO, Economic Alliance, in which Russia also participates. Plus, the Russian military regularly conducts joint military drills with Chinese colleagues. Commenting on one of such drills in 2018, Peskov called China an ally. So I, I'd say China. China for sure. Yeah. Says political scientists, though, believe it might be exaggeration. As Sergei Karagnov, who heads the Council on Foreign and Defense Policy, says, our countries are getting closer, but full-scale military and political alliances are impossible. Russia doesn't want to be China's junior partner, and we can't be a senior one. Now things are good just the way they are. I think we talked about that a little bit. And I, Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to point out. Yes, yes, Russia and China are allies. Yeah. But with what we talked about last week, that China is taking the number one spot, right? self-proclaimed number one in the world. Yeah. You think Russia would just sit by and let that happen? Uh, be like, who, hey, we'll play yeah. junior fiddle to yeah. you, second fiddle to you. Yeah, no, like, Putin doesn't want to be anybody's two. No, like we said, China, like the U.S. 
hoped China would play second fiddle to us, and China's like, fuck that, we're not yeah, going right. to. I don't see no. Russia as playing, but I don't think Russia has the power and technology that China has. No, they don't. They and when you get just got the alliances, spot. like say you get Russia, China, and North Korea, and maybe Iran together. Yeah, like Iran's usually backed by Russia. It doesn't yeah. list them as one of I their wasn't allies. Sure, what where North Korea stands with Russia? Are they friendly terms? Or? North Korea is allies with China. Oh, okay. Russia has said some shitty thing, like said we should hold North Korea accountable more. So they might not be directly connected, but I think if yeah. Russia pulled China in, China would pull North, North Korea, Korea in. Yeah. But just think if you got the three of those together. Yeah. Those types of leaders. Right. Are Which, so like uh, uh, paranoid types. Like they're always going to be looking over right. their back. They're, they're, yeah. There's always going to be mistrust for from Russia to yeah. China or China to. It's like any Batman movie where the villains team up. <laughs> they're always like looking to double cross each other or they, they want to be the man on top. Yeah, they they want to be, be the, the, the power yeah, guy. Exactly. And, and Kim Jong Un. Let's face it. He's the Joker. Yeah, like we were yeah, talking well, about, <laughs> nobody wants to trust him because he he's just going to go batshit crazy. Yeah, it's like, do we really want him on our side? I'm afraid he's going to shoot a nuke up our ass <laughs> exactly. as we're heading forward. Yeah, yeah. So the alliances are there, but how strong are they? Right. Is the real question. Yeah, but do they have to be strong when you have Russia and China? Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like two pretty powerful nations. Do yeah. they need each other even? Well, and you know, I. Do we they have enough disdain for the U.S. to join forces well, long that, enough to take us out? That then... would be the big thing, depending on what the circumstances are. I mean, if China had some kind of treaty in with the United States, or, you know, or some kind of financial deals with the United States that it wouldn't be beneficial for them to go to war with mm -hmm. us, then they would probably say, you know what, Russia, you're on your own on this one. What I see is, let's say, because Russia and China both have disdain for the United States, they join forces— I'd say it'd be similar to World War II. We joined forces with right. Russia to take out Germany. Then as soon as Germany was taken out, we're like, uh, we don't like you guys. Right. So we're going to spend the next half of a century right. like, but, trying to take you guys down. But, I, I, I see following post-World War III would be the great Russia-China war right. is, is what that would be. But, you know, after World War II, I mean— the government, the United States just kind of backed off, and even though they saw Russia escalating, they didn't want to directly confront them. Instead, they placed their own assholes in the country mm -hmm. so that the people that would be like, no, I'm not pro-Russia. And they're like, okay, you're president. Yeah. Oh, it's okay that I genocide all these people? Just yeah. don't be just Russia. Just don't be Russia, please. <laughs> yeah, you do whatever the ba fuck you want. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So apparently, according to this article, there are some... Um, India-Russia relations. Really? So maybe India would take their side. But I the interesting thing about that is India and China don't really like each other. Yeah, right. So if you yeah. got India going with Russia, but China going with Russia, but then India and China, then it falls apart yeah. too. So I, I see a lot of internal conflict yeah. in but, their alliances. Yeah, that, and I just, I think India has more to gain with the United States than it does with Russia. I mean, there's a lot of business that goes on between the two. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't see them committing to Russia. I, I don't either. Plus, but... you got to throw Pakistan in the mix. Mm -hmm. 
right? Where does Pakistan fit? Because Pakistan and India can't stand each other. Pakistan can't stand the United States, even though they're kind of right. Our right. allies. I think we give them money so that they don't fuck things up in the region. But then they keep sending Taliban members to right. fuck us up in Afghanistan. Yes. So. And, but we keep giving them money. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a nice visual look of oh, that, that uh, nice. CSTO alliance. Okay. The collective security treaty versus like the NATO members sure. there. So you got Russia, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Armenia, and Belarus. It's a pretty pretty broad there, but who's the big country in between uh right here? Yeah. That is who is that? Shit. I had it. I lost it. That oh, that's Ukraine. That's Ukraine. Ukraine's in oh, there. Oh, okay. So that's why that's contested. They're not part of any of it. Gotcha. Okay. So Ukraine sits there. So that's why. So you got all this green on the left, which is NATO. Mm-hmm. You got all the red on the right, which is the CSTO, which is Russia's alliances. And then you got this hole in the middle yeah. that happens to be Ukraine, which Just is the buffer. the buffer zone, which is why nobody wants red doesn't want that big old circle, that big old space, open space being green. And yeah. green doesn't want that open space being red because right. that could shift the balance in power there. Yeah. Okay. On top of that, here's a look at the Shanghai Corporation or Corporation Organization. So the 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 economic alliance with China, you got Russia, Kazakhstan, China, and a couple of small ones down there. Where's Mongolia fit? That's that big open space in the right dead oh, center okay, there. Gotcha. That that's nothing. Gotcha. I, had to, I was like, hmm, what's that big open space? Yeah. Why isn't the US going for Yeah, right. Mongolia. Nobody gives a shit about Mongolia, <laughs> apparently. So so we got all this red mixed with all the red here. Yeah. And you can see where that might get really ugly really, really freaking fast. Yeah. So who who do you think would... Uh, also, you got to realize the green includes the U.S. and Canada. Right. So yeah. we got two big countries across the ocean over there, too. And what about... Where would Mexico fit? It doesn't say on, on here. Because Me- Mexico has deals with everybody. Yeah. Mexico is just the highest bidder. Basically, right. or yeah. lowest bidder, the best, right. whoever's there at the time, whoever works best with the cartel. Was it, it was World War One, where Germany reached out to uh, Pancho Villa to cause problems for the United States. Right. So I, I had just the actual world uh, Eurasia map so we could see oh. what some of those countries were. So that was Mongolia there, and Ukraine is that space there. The, the two free spaces there, yeah. That that's what people, that's what, well, nobody, like I said, is going for Mongolia because it's kind of landlocked. Right. Yeah. Is there anything really there? I was gonna say it's probably really China's power. buffer zone between Russia. <laughs> That's probably exactly it. So, and then uh, Japan has more alliances with the United States, right. obviously. So and Australia and Philippines. So you get kind of an idea what World War Three, what the the colors yeah. look like based on this map and this map. I, I and that doesn't even include like Africa or South America and any of that. Say, yeah, you don't see Iran or or Venezuela or anything in that. Mm. So. It's interesting though because looking at that, I mean, yeah, militarily speaking, you got probably more superpowers when you. Well, no, not necessarily, because you throw um, Israel in the mix, mm-hmm. and again, you know, India, depending on who they decide to go with. Israel's NATO, aren't they? I don't know if I don't think Israel is. Well, it, Israel's pro United States. So. Yeah, they're pro United States, but I don't know if they're NATO. Yeah, I I don't even um, see it here. It's further down, isn't it? But but you'd be looking at you'd be looking at Russia and China fighting a war on two fronts. Well, yeah. 
Russia and China fighting a war on two fronts, but if NATO took offense, they'd be fighting a war on two fronts. Just like World War II, we'd have a European front fighting yeah. on this side of Russia. And a Pacific front. And a Pacific front fighting China, because you're not going to go through— yeah. There's not going to be much access to China— Unless you go yeah. through India, but God, India... That's a lot of fucking territory. I mean... Right. God, that'd be a nightmare. I mean, when you think about what Germany went through trying to get to Moscow... Yeah, and Germany is just this little st- country right here. And we fought... We had a hard time with two fronts, two yeah. countries. Russia was fighting on one front, and then the rest of Europe was fighting oh, on the other side. Right. On this little space. We're talking, like, probably 70% of the landmass of the yeah. Northern Hemisphere... Yeah. Um, fighting two fronts right. from here to here. Yeah. How how would that even play out? So when people are like, oh, if they cross the line, there's going to be hell to pay. What? Like, what hell? Right, right. What What right. are we going to do? Yeah. Can we even do that? Can we even sustain a war no. right now? No, I, I don't think so. I'm going to talk about what I, I've got an article that talks about uh, could America handle a world war um, for the second half, we got to get into a break. I've got a few more stuff to to go over in the second half. Um, this has primarily been about Russia, but again, w- there's so much more in the mix here too. Because, yeah. like I said, we haven't even mentioned Iran, which yeah. the United States is at. Yeah, like where's that? Those talks going? Do they just right. stall because we're now in talks with Russia? Well, yeah. I mean, I had seen that. Uh, uh, okay, so Iran's. Got a 25-year deal that just went into place this year mm-hmm. with okay. China that gives them uh, defense and economic uh, so cooperation. Then, so we throw them into the mix, too. Right. And then also— Which I, that puts Israel at risk. Right. So Israel or would have the, to get involved. The Middle East is now involved. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the other part of it was that um, South Korea—was it South Korea or North Korea? South Korea paid—they had to pay some money to Iran— um, that was withheld from some sanctions that were put in place to allow Iran into the UN. Oh. Does that make sense? Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So we got everybody kind of involved yes. in their own shit storm right yes. now. And, and and currently everybody uh, or the I just read, read a couple reports where people are scared that Russia is trying to put military bases in the Arctic Circle because they've been sending a lot of nuclear icebreakers to oh. the through the Arctic. That's and a path I never even thought anybody would take. So they're going to like yeah. hop over the Arctic Circle into Canada and right. then invade us through. I Canada. mean, is Canada really going to hold them off? <laughs> it's Re- Canada. In reality, <laughs> the Russians can handle the 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 Mounties. The, well, the Russians can handle the northern temperatures. Right. Right. Yeah. But but I that's, mean that's a front. Like we never thought of the northern front. Right. But but I mean. I believe is isn't Alaska's Bering Strait? I mean, isn't that just it's like pretty close? Fifty miles yeah, from didn't the Russian Sarah border. Did Sarah Palin say she could she see, see Russia, Russia from, from her house? Back. Yes. <laughs> so that's pretty. I mean, they could just throw yeah. nuclear warheads across the exactly. Strait, according to Sarah Palin, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if we're giving getting our ge- geography lesson from Sarah Palin, we're all fucked. Yeah. We got to get into break. We're uh, well overdue for it. When we come back, I'm going to talk about some more crazy stuff. Uh, like what this war would look like, whether or not NATO or the United States specifically could even handle oh, God. a war. Europe would be a fucking oh, the wasteland. United States. I mean, look at where we're sitting economically and politically right oh, yeah. now as a country. We're like on the verge of a civil war. Can we even handle a yeah. foreign war right now? Right, right. Even like a one, a single front, like 
small country foreign yeah. war I don't think we could handle yeah. right now. But let's get into break. When we come back, we'll keep keep on this track. Right. So here we go. Have you ever thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remster W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. From learning about financial independence to new ways to develop rugged individualism to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real but actually are, go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remster W. Martinez at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remster W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. Right, and just like that, we're back. Very nice. I've got something to read here before we get back into this that I thought you might be interested in. It's terrifying 2022 predictions revealed, including World War III. Are these from, like, Nostradamus? An alien invasion and a new virus pandemic. Similar. Okay. So I figured, since we're talking about World War III, we might as well talk about these terrifying predictions. Because, and we'll, I guess we'll gauge at the end of the year if these came true or not. Yes. And we'll get to see real quick here if we think they're going to be true. So let me read these real quick before we get back into the real stuff. Which, maybe this is more real than the real stuff we're actually reading. Yes. Who knows? Who knows nowadays? This is from a French astrologer and uh, oh it says french astrologer and dr nostradamus made some concerning prophecies while a blind clairvoyant baba vanga doesn't predict a peaceful next 12 months so we got to be listening to nostradamus and baba vanga not baba fett baba vanga <laughs> so blind blind clairvian or clairvoyant Baba Vanga. What's a clairvoyant, first of all? It's somebody who like speaks to the spirit world. Oh, oh, so we better take this literal. <laughs> it's from Daily Record. Uh, Baba Vanga envisaged natural disasters, a water crisis, and an alien invasion by the end of the year. Uh, Nostradamus predicted uh, war in France. France? It's Inflation. France. He got that one right. Yeah, well. And even cannibalism. Oh, is that this year? That, I thought that was. Uh, I thought we didn't have cannibalism for another five hundred years. According to Nostradamus, that's I have to in watch the 2022. Uh, so, 
with both of those, we have reason for concern. Sure. I, I take uh, an alien invasion over cannibalism. Yeah, a little bit. Says some even speculate there could be World War Three. Oh. Here's a look at some of the things we might need to be worried about over the next 12 months. A new pandemic. The biggest concern about next year is definitely COVID. That's not the biggest concern, That's I want to say. That's... And whether new deadly strains will form. Paul Hunter, professor in medicine at the University of East Anglia, told the mirror the virus is here to stay. Blah, blah, blah. I don't give a shit about that. Right. World War Three says there are serious concerns over a possible global war in the coming year. And one possible cause could be ongoing tensions between China and Taiwan. So clearly this was written before now the right. Russia-Ukraine shit. Um, it says the incursions from nuclear-capable Chinese warplanes has ratcheted up tensions over the tiny U.S.-backed island. Scrolling down, it gets into... So, World War Three is a big one. It says, um, blue head shell, white head harm in such degree as France is good to both shall ever mount. That is from Nostradamus. Blue head shell, white head harm in such degree as France is good to both shall ever amount. Freaking Nostradamus needs to speak in better English, he, first of all. I know, it's cryptic, poetic shit. Much like all of Nostradamus's predictions, this one is rather vague, but it could be alluding to the breakout of World War Three. But I don't think it's going to start in France. Mm. I'm going to say Canada. You think World War Three is going to start in Canada? You know what? Uh, well, oh, wow. I, I think there's a better chance of Canada than in than France. Than France, probably. Yes. Extreme climate event. Um, according to Baba Vanga, more earthquakes and tsunamis are on the cards, as well as intense mm. bouts of floods in Australia and parts of Asia. Meanwhile, many cities will be hit with water shortages with political consequences as countries are forced to find alternatives, according to her forecast. Is Baba Yanga still alive? I, I don't oh, have okay. a clue. Okay. Never heard of her. She also predicted famine in India where temperatures would supposedly reach 50 degrees Celsius, causing locusts to attack crops. There's not much hope when turning to Nostradamus as he predicted rising sea temperatures way back in 1555. Uh, inflation, a worldwide pandemic, political instability, and political instability have contributed to inflation in recent years. Um, says, another warning Nostradamus issued is about the rising price in a failing economy and even a hint of cannibalism. Ooh. Nostradamus stated, no abbots, monks, no novices to learn. Honey shall cost far more than candle wax. So high the price of wheat that man is stirred, his fellow man to eat in his despair. That doesn't sound too appealing. No. Then there's the alien invasion that Baba Vanga predicts. Interesting. Uh, 2022 could be the year where we finally are visited by extraterrestrials. Um, Baba Vanga believed this will be the year's al the year aliens invade the planet by sending an asteroid to seek out life on Earth with an unfriendly outcome. Hmm. So, so we got all that to look forward to. So we're predicting. Well, we're talking about the potential World War Three. Yes. Um, Nostradamus predicted World War Three, but it would start in France. But then on top of that, we got alien invasions, cannibalism, and water shortages. Did you ever you ever read the Watchmen comic? Um, no. Okay. So in the Watchmen comic. The doomsday clock was about to strike midnight. Oh shit! Was it the 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 clip art doomsday clock like we saw yeah, yesterday? It, it was actually, and so we were on the verge of World War World War Three, United States and Russia, and the the whole world was tearing itself apart as it is. And in order to secure peace, the heroes decided to concoct a a 
it, it, a fictional alien attack on New York City that but killed a million people, and the whole world united against these fictional aliens. Uh, I have been saying that that's going to happen yes. for years. If yes. there is an alien invasion, it's not going to be a real one. Right, and it'll bring the world together like they've never been together before. What's going to happen is they're going to shut down the grid. They're going to yeah. say it was like EMP or something. We're going to have no flow of information. Yeah. But the last thing they're going to say before it all goes offline is aliens are invading. We're just going to be sitting here freaking out, losing our mm -hmm. minds, and falling to this control system because of fear of an alien invasion. It would be like um, that, that movie Signs. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's one of my favorite movies. Um, it's like... The ultimate power play is right, alien right. invasion, and we have no we have invasion. no choice but to come up together as a one world government and unite against this alien threat yeah, that like none, none of us ever see. Day. Right, right, but, but none yeah, of us ever we see don't it. Ever see it right, here. we just hear about it on the radio or on yes. the news and stuff, and it's completely made up. Taiwan or like Hong Kong is being told that Washington D.C. got decimated. Yeah, right. D.C.'s been being told that Beijing Beijing's or yeah. taken out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Millions of people have been killed. And and then we're like, but we we beat them, guys, and, and and we're coming together as man now, and and one world government, and we're all together now. It'll probably right? happen. Hopefully not this year, but potentially this year. <laughs> so let's let's get back. That was nineteen eighty five. Let's get back into this shit. Um, we we talked about the alliances, the NATO alliances versus Russia's alliances. Yeah. So I got this article that says, so remembering those different alliances, like yes. who would join who would join who. I got this article that says five places where World War III could start in 2022. Oh. This this article came out January 6th. It's almost like they were hinting that yeah. something's going to happen. So let me pull this one up. This is from Insider.com. So it, it starts out saying, Entering 2022, the world looks more dangerous than it has at any time since the late 80s. Real conflicts of interest in Eastern Europe and the East China Sea have set the table for the first serious great power conflicts in decades. Crises in the Middle East, Northeast Asia, and the Himalayas continue to smolder. Here are the five most dangerous flashpoints uh, for the eruption of World War III in descending order of peril. So in descending order. So the, word, the first one is going to be the most likely. And the gotcha. first one is Ukraine based sure. on everything we've talked about in the first half of this episode. So Ukraine, it says, easily the most likely flashpoint for great power war in 2022 lies along the border between Russia and Ukraine. Over the past six months, Russia has steadily built up forces along the frontier of Kiev. Moscow and Washington have traded barbs. Barbs? Barbs. Like the women, like barbs. Yeah, I would. Like Barbara Walters? Yeah, I'm sure she'd be the first to go. <laughs> Russia's immediate concern involved the Ukrainian acquisition and use of Turkish drones along its border region, along with the general increase in Ukrainian military power. Moscow's long-range problem is its inability to reverse the Western orientation that Kiev has adopted since 2014. Russia has publicly argued that it wants to resolve the issues of Ukraine and of Russia's relationships with NATO on a permanent basis. The U.S. and NATO have not responded positively to these overtures, but have notably failed to guarantee Ukraine's security. <laughs> if Russia launches an invasion in Ukraine, things could get ugly quickly. Despite improvements in Ukrainian forces, most, analysis, or an, most analysts expect that Russia would win with quick victories along the border, potentially gaining access to Ukrainian heartland. 
Direct Russian military action will put immense pressure on the U.S. to respond in some fashion. However, the U.S. can support Kiev in several ways without direct intervention. This includes economic sanctions against Russia, cyber attacks against their infrastructure, and the transfer of weapons to Ukraine, which they're already doing right. all of those things. Yeah. All right, so the next place that it could erupt, the second likeliest place, is Taiwan. And I'd say probably three months ago, that would be the most likely yeah. place. But here in the last couple months, Ukraine has kind of stepped up right. their game. Russia was getting jealous. So I'm not going to read the entire thing, but it says, Over the past year, long-simmering U.S. concern over Chinese threat to Taiwan has seemed to come to a boil. The Chinese military capabilities have grown rapidly over the past decade and now constitute a major obstacle against U.S. intervention. At the same time, China's military remains untested, and an amphibious assault across the Taiwan Strait would constitute one of the most sophisticated military operations in history. Potential in miscalculating is immense. The U.S. maintained a studied ambiguity towards Taiwan for the past 40 years as it developed a strong economic relationship with the People's Republic of China, which they shot themselves in the foot with. Yes. This strategic ambiguity was designed to remove the incentive for Taiwan to declare independence while not giving China an excuse to invade. Some in Congress have now called for an end to this policy and for more full-throated support of Taiwan's international position. We did a full-fledged episode yeah. on the Taiwan-China issue. We did a full-fledged episode last week on China, so go back and listen to some of those episodes, and you can get more information about those. The third likely place would be Iran, and I'd say probably 10 months ago, Iran right. was at the yeah. top of that list. So you see how they just yeah. keep shit right. switching places. <clears throat> An honest appraisal of U.S. policy towards Iran now recognized that then-Donald Trump decision to abandon the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, better known as the Iran nuclear deal, was a disastrous mistake. The U.S. effort to increase military and economic coercion against Iran has failed. Iran has stepped up its nuclear efforts while improving the sophistication of its missile forces and increased its covert activities across the region. Negotiations have failed, basically, to restore the status quo, as the U.S. has stumbled over its inability to commit, and Tehran has taken a tough attitude. So there's that one. The fourth likeliest place is North Korea, and they're always going to they're sit there. Just like there. like yeah. we said, Kim Jong-un is just trigger-happy. Oh, He's yeah. just yeah. ready to start a war with anybody who'll, yeah. who will start a war with him. So that's they're always going to be at that list. Yeah. And we don't even have to get too far into it. It just says, North Korea front has gone quiet over the last couple of years as the DPRK struggled too much with the COVID pandemic to bother making much trouble internationally. Japan, South Korea, and the U.S. have similarly been happy to let sleeping dogs lie, focusing on bigger international and domestic problems rather than trying to cut through the apparently intractable Korean situation. It's like if they're not doing anything mm. besides internally... As long as they're not genociding their own people or something, right. just fucking leave them alone. Yeah. The fifth one is the Himalayas, which sounds like a really, really difficult war. Yeah, that sounds like one I'd let go. <laughs> yeah, that's one. It's just like, uh, do we really want to do this? So this is the tension between China and India. And we talked about yeah. that last year yeah. a couple times. There was some like heated right. uh, border Little, little conflicts here and there. Um, it says, tension between China and India have mellowed over the past year, but we should not forget the border between the two countries witnessed lethal confrontation over the past two years. India and China have worked hard to reduce tension along the border, but basic disagreements over territory and disposition remain. Both countries have committed to build up infrastructure in the region that could support rapid military mobilization. Neither Beijing nor Delhi 
Del is it Delhi or Delhi? Delhi. Okay, here in Iowa it's Delhi. <laughs> yeah. So Delhi. I got to yeah. Okay. Neither Beijing or nor Delhi seem particularly interested in throwing down over control of remote mountain regions, but it's not difficult to envision renewed skirmishes that then draw in other problematic as aspects of their relationship. Although China enjoys considerable military superiority, some trends appear to favor India. The burgeoning technological relationship between Delhi and Washington is a source of concern for Beijing, especially given the newfound willingness of the U.S. to engage in long-term technological agreements such as AUKUS. I don't know what AUKUS is. If China comes to understand renewed tension along the border as part of a general encirclement strategy rather than a bilateral problem with India, it might become more willing to take serious risks to resolve the situation. I, I don't think anybody is going to utilize the resources that it would take to fight a war in the Himalayan mountains. No. Could you imagine Imagine China being like, okay, bro, to China and Iran, we're going to war with India over this piece of land. And they're going to be like, what? And India is going to be like, okay, U.S., we're going to go to war over China with this piece of land. And they're like, yeah, you know, I'm going to sit mountains. out on that one. Did you see? <laughs> did you see how we handled the mountains in Afghanistan? That were nowhere <laughs> yeah. near the mountains yeah, exactly. in the Himalayas. Yeah, we're not very well equipped yeah. to fight wars in mountains. We don't like climbing mountains. We just don't want to do it. Why, why, why don't you guys take your best fighter, take their best fighter, and throw them in the Himalayas and see who comes out? <laughs> and we'll settle it that way. So I feel like even though skirmishes may kick off, I don't see World War Three starting over the Himalayas. No, so I'm just no. going to throw that one out of yeah. the mix. Yeah, I see maybe um, them utilizing the Himalayas during a World War Three, like oh, yeah. for secret right. co-op, co, co yeah. what am I looking covert. for? Covert missions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! Covert missions uh, through the Himalayas to like yeah. gain access into China or something. But but, but I don't see. The conflicts in no, the Himalayas no. as the spark. No, that that's not going to be the central location. <laughs> but I, I think, as we were talking about, if you look at all five of those, you can lump all five of them into, like, one... one big, messy lump? Yes, one big, messy lump, because it, one World War Three would take care of all those conflicts. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And But then you could also see how things even internally, would get messy when China and India oh, came yeah. along Absolutely. over the Himalayas. Yeah. But Russia's kind of got ties with India. Yeah. But the U.S. kind of has ties yeah. with India. And China kind of has ties with Russia. Yeah, right, right. It's very, like, ambiguous. It is. And, and again, is anybody going to want to risk a world war on the fact that you can't trust Vlad and, and Habib over here? <laughs> <laughs> no. I Well, yes, if they're as... If somebody that's been the power monger for the last right. century is encroaching on your space and you want like Russia, I don't I don't think Russia has global aspirations like it used no, to. I no. think Russia just wants to be Russia and right. doesn't want to feel threatened right. in its sovereign areas. They want their bubble. China, on the other hand, has global aspirations. Right. So Russia would partner with China because China is yes. the superpower right now. Right. But again, then it would turn around and Russia would be like, we don't want you either. Right. But but as we talked about, China likes to play the long game. Mm -hmm. And I think they could look at the whole board. We know how great Russia, the Soviet Union, plays the long game. Right, right. Not well. Not well. Not well. But China could look at the board and be like, you know, we're not going to go into conflict right now because the United States is getting themselves in more trouble year in and year out. 
I think if we just wait, they're going to die off, and we can just take what we want. Yeah. Right? I, I, I could see that. Yeah, just... just uh, why, why risk nuclear war when we can just wait it out maybe economically? Maybe China would push Russia towards war right. let to us overtake knock each other NATO, off. Let, let Russia yeah. basically get kind of decimated, like weakened in the process, too, but they potentially may come out on top of I it. I mean, China's got their own little, like... Pseudo NATO going on with this little Pacific deal that mm-hmm. America made with Japan and Australia. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I could see China be like poking the bear, like you know, you yeah. want to go get them. Yeah. You know, you want to go get them. And Vlad, then they said they don't think you they, could ride a bear. They, they take <laughs> out. Yeah. They take out NATO with the help of China yeah. on mul- multi fronts, and then China, then Russia's like, hey, we did it, and China's like, who are you again? Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. Sit down and shut up. Yeah, and Putin's like gets all butt hurt about it. Mm-mm. So th- this was interesting to me because I I talked about at the beginning how some people might want to push us into a world war. Why? Yeah. Why the fuck they'd want to do that? This way, I I'm not going to get too much into, but this was a plan that the U.S. had in the '80s, basically to it was basically a World War Three plan oh. for Iran and Israel was part of it, and it was to attack Russia, or the Soviet Union. I can see that. The reason why I'm bringing up this now is because this was just this year declassified. It's like, why would you declassify this if you weren't trying to piss some people off? Right. Like, piss Russia, be like, well, they were planning this shit back then. Yeah. Who's to say they're not planning it now? It was basically, it says, the Pentagon's top strategists, in concert with Israeli peers, prepared for an almost apocalyptic war in Iran in the 1980s to counter a Soviet invasion. Hmm. So it talks about, here, here was like a map that they planned Russia was going to like expand out into Iran and, and further. Um, but it, it talks about um, it, I, the, the main plan. So it says the large-scale Soviet invasion plan Chris found in the file showed, here, let me pull this up, I guess, um, showed arrows drawn south from Armenia and the Caspian Sea towards the capital Tehran, indicting the large-scale uh, movement of Soviet military forces, and then onto Isfahan, Kazuhistan, Bandor Albas, and the Gulf, with the invading forces drawn from the pool of 24 to 29 mechanized or armored divisions, one airborne division, and 700 to 1,000 strike aircraft. So this is what they predicted Russia was planning to do. Gotcha. It says the U- U.S. counter strategy, according to Colonel Christ, was to deter the Soviets from invasion by owning the capacity to deploy, sustain a credible force in the region, with a clear indication that a Soviet attack on vital American interests would mean war with the United States. If a conflict begins, be prepared to attack and defeat any Soviet effort to control the oil of the Middle East. No surprise there. Right. Says, also, and this is where Israel comes in, the U.S. would aim to widen the conflict beyond just the Middle East to other areas where the U.S. and our allies hold military advantage. Documents quoted are from Defense Secretary Weinberger to Joint Chiefs Chairman David Jones and Air Force General and vice versa. Sounds like the script from a limited version of the World War III with nuclear weapons included. If the plan didn't call for strategic air command strikes inside the Soviet Union, it did foresee at least tactical nuclear strikes on the USSR and Iran, shelling, mine-laying mines, usually you mine-lay mines, mine-laying, and demolition packs. 
Explosive charges carried on an infantryman's back, saboteur style, but in this case containing a nuclear charge. Oh. So they were going they were planning to put basically briefcase bombs right. on infantrymen. Dirt, dirty bombs. Into the USSR. Wow. It says the plan also envi- envisioned an intensive sabotage campaign led by, led by U.S. Special Forces working with the CIA who embrace unconventional war- warfare to develop a resistance movement disrupting Soviet forces by blowing bridges and attacking their rear areas. So again, this just was released this year, like yeah. declassified this year. Why? Yeah. Why was this de- declassified right. this year? Yeah. I mean... Obviously, what we see in the media, Russia can see in the media, and they're right. going to be like, oh. Yeah, yeah, you know, they keep pretty good tabs on that yeah. shit. Yeah. To be like, hey, guys, we were planning on dropping dirty bombs in the USSR yeah. to prevent you from attacking Iran. Yeah. So, yeah. just so you know, we were going to do that. But don't think, we're not going to do anything like that now. No, right. It right. just seems almost provocative that they'd release this right, right. now. Right, yeah. So, I, I do feel that there's people in the media, at least, that would love to see... The world go to war. Oh, absolutely. I would love to see a World War Three. Yes. Well, and uh, again, you know, you go back to the Great Reset. You know, okay, COVID isn't moving things away along the way we would like. So, it's not going fast enough, guys. <laughs> so we need to start blowing shit up. <laughs> yeah. We we got to get people like fighting each other. Yeah, exactly. So let's let's push this little conflict in Ukraine. Let's right. push Taiwan a little bit more. Hey, let's tell Kim Jong Un that. Um, Somebody like screwed his goat, and let's see what happens. <laughs> I mean, he'd be pretty pissed if he found out somebody screwed his goat. Yeah. Dennis Rodman. <laughs> well, Dennis Rodman was uh, was Kim Jong Un's boy, though. I know so, they were they were friends. They yeah, the... they were like besties. They, they played were. basketball together. I know. I think Kim Jong Un has a uh, Dennis Rodman jersey. There's probably a street named after Dennis Rodman oh, in I'm Co- sure. Korea. <laughs> Oh, so I guess the question that we have is, if World War III breaks out, can America handle it? Could Amer- Would America come out on top? Not, not even the rest of NATO. Would America come out on top? If America had to go solo? Uh, at all. If, if we were to go into World War, because, you know, America is the primary sponsors of NATO. Yeah. I mean, Trump screamed that at the top of his lungs, right, that right. we— most of the defense and the money comes from the United States yeah. and NATO. Uh, so do you think we come out on top of a NATO-led World War III? If it involves China and Russia. Yeah. You think so? Or are you just I, saying? No, I I think so. I do. I do. I don't think so. I, I'm just thinking of where the United States is Um. In in relation to where everybody else is, in, in, as far as location goes, I mean, out of all the countries that we've talked about, mm-hmm. the United States is the one that is the most separated from the conflict. Well, yeah, I, but if we, we have, stayed out of it. Yeah, we come no, out no, on top I, of it. But yes, but but we have we have our air bases, right? We have we have J- Japan, Australia. You know, we have you know we have. We we have the most strategic locations when you look at everything. The scariest part of it is, you know, as I was talking about, if Russia truly is establishing a military base in the Arctic Circle, that brings them closer to the United States than what they currently are. Sure. But looking at the the placement of all the players, then I would say I would say the United States still has the best chance because logistically 
to be able to get troops and supplies across the Pacific or across the Atlantic, I mean, that's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, and we have to do both. Well, but we don't because we have our NATO allies over there. We have our air bases in Germany and Saudi Arabia and Israel. So I'm going to throw two wrenches into the mix. Okay. Our handling of the exit in Afghanistan and our supply chains right now. Throw those into the mix. Do we still win a war? Looking at the way things have been handled in the last year alone, okay. do we win a war? We won't win shit with Biden as president. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. If this kicked off now. If it kicked off right now, no, we would not. Because, uh, again, I don't, think, I don't think Biden would go to war, number one. And number two, I feel like our generals are more into kissing ass and apologizing for what we've done than actually winning a war. True, but, but if you get, like, it seems like the UK is antsy to get into oh, a war. I'm sure UK is. And with our allegiances to yeah. NATO, do we have a choice if NATO decides, hey, we're going to go to war? Do we really have that much of a choice? Well, I mean, no, we based wouldn't. on our agreements, and that we would basically be, have to go see, to war. But see, that would be the problem, though. We would be going into war at, under obligation rather than a desire to win. Mm-hmm. Right? And so our our we would be going in as trying to be a peacemaker and a mediator and just supporting our allies out of pure obligation. And 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 we saw wars like that. I mean, Vietnam was out of obligation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the, uh, well, look how that ended up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, um, it, it's just you, you can't win a war that way. And and that's how our generals are right now. Yeah. That is how our, our, our leaders are, is that they don't want to win a war. They don't feel like they need to. Sure. And so, no, we, we could not right now. So I've got this article titled, America Cannot Take on China and Russia Simultaneously. I saw that over there. And there's, there's good, good reasons in here. Okay. And I'm, I, I just want to read it. This was written in October of last year. Okay. So at the height of the China, the start of the Russia stuff, the height of the China-Taiwan sure. stuff. So it says, uh, this is from uh, nationalinterest.org. It says, U.S. concerns about the risk of fighting a coming war with Russia and China are well-grounded, given it's unprepared, it, it is unprepared to fight even a purely conventional war with them. In a previous article, Russia and China are already winning the nuclear arms race. I discussed the dangers of the U.S. national security from the breathtaking advance by China and Russia in expanding the size of their nuclear arsenals to a level far in excess of the size of the current U.S. nuclear arsenal. So that alone, they have more nuclear capabilities. And we talked about China's uh, further development of like the the hypersonic, the super hyper megasonic nuclear weapons. Yeah. Um, It says... uh, the more that Russia's, Russia's and China's superiority over the U.S. in terms of nuclear and other unconventional weapons, such as super electromagnet, electromagnetic pulse, super EMPs, wow. not just normal EMPs. What's these a are super, super EMP? Do? I don't know. And cyber weapons, as well as in terms of overall nuclear war s- uh, survivability, continues to increase the greater their temptation will be to engage in increasingly brazen international aggression abroad. We have already seen examples of this happening with Russia's invasion in Ukraine in 2014, China's occupation of disputed islands in South China Sea over the last several years, and what appears to be increasingly imminent Chinese invasion of Taiwan. This imminent invasion of Taiwan still has yet to happen. Right, right. <laughs> kind of like the imminent invasion of Ukraine. Yeah. Is it going to actually happen? 
says in March, April of 2021, Russia reportedly massed 100,000 to 150,000 troops along Ukraine. We talked about that um, in response to NATO's building up of in Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania and stuff like that. Uh, the things we already talked about. Says the commander of U.S. Strategic Command, Admiral Charles Richard, testified to Congress in April 21 that the U.S. might well face a two-front or even a three-front war if Russia were to invade Ukraine or other Eastern European nations and China were to attack Taiwan and if New uh, North Korea were to attack South Korea simultaneously in, in co coordination. Can you imagine if the three of those decided they, they're getting in a position and we're yeah. like, this is never going to happen. Then all of a sudden they're like, okay, Vlad. Go and they all attacked at the same time. Right. Imagine that shit show. It wouldn't be like, hey, one attacks and then while we're fighting over here, getting busy, the other attack. What if they all three went at the same time? We would be caught with our pants down. Says um, Admiral Richards testified that the U.S. currently has no contingency plans for how to confront two allied nuclear superpowers in a future war. Thus, the ability of the U.S. and its allies to survive, let alone win, a war fought with such powerful unconventional weapons against our enemies remains in doubt. Um, scroll on down. It talks about some war games that we've done. i got to find it. Because we're running out of time, so I can't get yeah. into this. I'll, I'll post this article in the show notes. But it basically said, out of... Like 50 war games that they've kind of scenarios that they've done against China, the U.S. lost all 50 of them in these like mm -hmm. war game type like virtual scenarios. I gotta find it. Hang on. What was did they say? What the the reason was? Uh, I don't remember. It says Eastern Europe was not considered a vital national security interest of the United States during World War II when President. FDR and British Prime Minister Winston Churchill ceded it to the Soviet Union. Um, or during the Cold War, when the U.S. leaders refused opportunities, uh, nor is it today. Therefore, the U.S. should apply a cost-benefit analysis to consider whether the risks in terms of potentially catastrophic war with Russia of maintaining its security commitments to the nations of Eastern Europe outweigh the benefits. So this is basically saying... Um, is it even worth it to go to war over these right. Eastern European countries? Or should we cut our losses and protect right. those that we have strategic alli actual alliances right. with yeah. and just cut our losses? And like, I mean, that's valid. That's it very is. valid. No, it I'm is. trying to find... Sorry, I'm really trying to find that war games part. Go ahead and talk if you have okay. something to talk well, about. <laughs> so my thought is this, okay? We always talk about how great it is America has a peaceful transfer of power every four years. Uh -huh. But the country's been so divided over the last 20 years, right? Right. You have Bush, who takes an aggressive stance, right, against people he considers our enemies. You have Obama, who apologizes for it and draws back the military. Mm -hmm. You have Trump, who wants to draw our forces back in based on the fact that everybody else isn't doing enough. Yeah. Right? And then you have Biden, who wants to focus on the green policies. Sure. Okay? Now, say Biden loses in the next election and we get a Republican president again. Okay? If it's Trump, he's going to continue an isolationist policy. If it's, um, say, I don't know, DeSantis or, or Tennessee Williams, mm -hmm. they're going to want to, you know, maybe build up the military more. Trump sure. talked about it. He never did it. Yeah. 
Okay, so when you have this constant expansion and retraction of the military, right, there's no real set... Well, it causes weaknesses, first Well, it of all. causes weakness. It causes a, a lack of, of consistency, mm -hmm. whereas you have... Putin, who's been in charge of Russia for the last twenty some years, 20, you have twenty three years now. You have Jinping, who is in charge of China, who has one singular goal, and that is to be number one. Yeah. You have Kim Jong Un, who has one goal, and that's to be number one. That's yeah, just to blow shit up. Pretty right, much. right, right. But you have these three nuclear powers, who all have one singular goal, and that is to be on top. Sure. Where have you, so you have the United States, where you have this mixed mindset of either hey we got to watch out for ourselves or we need to be apologize for everything we've done or we need to we need to be more green friendly yeah right so how do you you can't be the top dog you can't be the number one supporter of nato and have all these countries back to you when you don't even know what the fuck you want to be yeah when you can't even come together as a country right yeah like, like i said how do we fight uh in the first half i said how do we fight a foreign war if when we're on the brink of civil war all the time you're right. here yeah you're right like when we can't even decide on um you know what to pay taxes on yeah. here yeah I'm, I'm sure you'd have half the government be willing to be like you know what just give them whatever they want mm-hmm and then you got the other half that'd be like, no, we got to go, we got to go gotta spread our freedom. Everybody yeah, over there, exactly. Right, fight, fight the red scare. So, so yeah, I mean, we we are too divided of a country currently so to be able to fight anybody. Here's that part about the war games. It says okay. U.S. goal or concerns about the risk of fighting a coming war with Russia and China are well grounded, given it's unprepared to fight even a purely conventional war with them. In 2019, former U.S. Deputy Secretary of Defense Robert Work and David Okmenek one of the Defense Department's key defense planners, offered a public summary of the results from a series of classified recent war games. Maybe they shouldn't declassify these, because if Russia and China gets right. a hold of these, they're going to be like, oh, this oh, is going to be wait, easy. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so we need to do this and this and yes. this. Okay, write this down. It says, Ochmanik summarized the results of war games by stating, when we fight Russia and China, blue, the United States gets its butt handed to it. That's his summary. Okay. So when well, that's we, we really detailed. When we fight Russia and China, the blue countries, yeah. which is NATO, mostly the United States, gets its ass handed to it, yeah. is basically what he had to say. As the New York Times summarized in 18 of the last 18 Pentagon war games involving China and Taiwan Strait, the U.S. lost all 18 of them. Hmm. In our own, like, we can manipulate these war games all we right. want. Yeah, yeah. And we lost all of them. Hmm. So it says... Uh, where, where did I go? It says the U.S. lost. While many U.S. leaders have been keen to defend every nation threatened by Russian and Chinese aggression, including those thousands of miles away on their borders, such as Taiwan and Ukraine, where our enemies enjoy overwhelming theater military superiority, they need to adopt a more realistic assessment of the chances of the United States prevailing in such a conflict. In an article, The War on the Rocks, Edward Geist, a policy researcher at the RAND Corporation, notes that in November 2018, the National Defense Strategy Commission found that if the United States had to fight Russia in a Baltic contingency or China in a war over Taiwan, Americans could face a decisive military defeat. Put bluntly, the U.S. military could lose the next state-versus-state -state war if that it fights. He surmised that the findings suggest that in a pitched battle with a near-peer 
adversaries such as China, American forces may be defeated even if its commanders don't make any mistakes. If defeat is prevented, U.S. strategy and planning may need to think about all the different forms defeat might take so as to be ready for alternative kinds of conflicts and con concepts of operations. In the present, when near-peer adversaries are increasingly capable of defeating the U.S. conventional forces on a theater level, U.S. decision-makers can no longer afford to pretend that defeat is not a real possibility. And so long as policymakers do not take losing seriously, they are unlikely to take the difficult steps needed to prevent such a defeat. So basically, this whole article goes on what, it, what I read after the fact when I couldn't find this was that we're we're hell bent on protecting everyone and everything right. around Russia and in the region, right. even people who aren't like NATO allies. It's right. like we need to be realistic in our strategies here yeah. because we don't have the capabilities mm -hmm. of this two front war. We need right. to uh, step back and decide what's important to us and right. what what. What our line actually should be yeah. when it comes to starting a war, because we shouldn't just decide to go to war over any of these countries that right. Russia. And my whole opinion is exactly that. It's like we don't need to be mm -hmm. we don't need to be getting in their business. Right. I agree. As much as I don't want to see Russia take over another country, as much as I do like democracy, it's not our fucking war to fight. Right. And we shouldn't be uh, putting our own troops at risk, our own people, our own nation at risk. Right. Just to keep Russia at bay. Right. Because like I said, I don't see Russia as having some global aspirations where no. they're just going to expand across all of yeah. Europe like they we but, thought they wanted to in the past. And, and, but, and that's what I was saying at the beginning, though, is I don't think we would. I don't think that... We want to poke the bear. We don't want to go to war with Russia or China. Mm -hmm. So we'll capitulate. You know, we'll, okay, you take Ukraine, but nothing else. If you could try to take anything else but Ukraine, then it's on. Sure. And, you know, and that's what we'll do. Same thing with, with China and, and Taiwan. Okay, we don't want you to have Taiwan, but you can have it. But don't don't dare try to expand in the Pacific anymore, you know, and... And, but that's just where we're at. We don't want that fight. We don't mm -hmm. want... And, and maybe it's because Biden saw the war games. Maybe he saw that and was like, shit, we'll get our asses handed mm -hmm. to us, so we don't want to do that. So I don't think we will. I think he's posturing. I think he's he's playing poker, and he's a lot worse at it than the he's, last he's terrible four presidents. At it. Yeah, even you know? worse at it than, than Trump, Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. And Trump was a horrible one, too, because Trump's one that'd be like, full house, motherfuckers! So here was a uh, Chinese Communist Party propaganda video from last year. Okay. They they said, when we liberate Taiwan, so China liberating Taiwan, right. uh, if Japan dares to intervene by force, even if it deploys only one soldier, one plane, or one ship, we will use nuclear bombs first. We will use nuclear bombs continuously until Japan declares unconditional surrender for the second time. We'll join forces with Russia and North Korea, three arrows, shoot together to hit the Japanese mainland thoroughly and in full depth. So if that's their threat towards Japan, what do you think their sentiments are towards if the, the U.S. intervenes? Right, yeah. Well, and, and, and Japan's not going to do anything unless the United States does it. Mm -hmm. Japan will look at the United States and be like, should we do something? And the United States will be like, no, man, stand down. And they, they just won't do it. So, I mean, that that's a nice threat that they're throwing out there. And 
but it, it, again, no one's going to everyone's going to look to the United States to take their lead. And the United States isn't going to do anything. Right. Because we're not prepared for it. So we haven't been a, in a war mindset, despite the buildup of the military industrial complex. We haven't been in a real war mindset since World War Two. Not to like fight a legit like full fledged. No. Superpower versus superpower. No. Nothing like that. I mean, yeah, we'll go blow the shit out of some of these little shithole oh, countries. Yeah, right, yeah. Fight these proxy wars, yeah. which is what we like to do. But, no, we haven't been in the, hey, we need to keep mm-hmm. ahead of the game. No. For for almost a century yeah. now. No, we haven't. We haven't. And, you know, and we just, we don't have the leadership. We, we don't have the, we don't have the will for it. So, yeah. So I I honestly don't see the United States being able to fight a two-front war with China and Russia. Um, And I don't think we should keep posturing against Russia. I mean, do you think we—so take us back to the Ukraine-Russia scenario. What what should we be doing then? Do we just just let them do what they want and— They're they're not part of NATO, you know? I I think you can— you can drop sanctions on Russia. You could go to the UN, you know. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's got to be something that the Ukraine decides to do. You yeah. know, I mean, if the UN wants to drop sanctions on Russia because of their their actions towards Ukraine, then that's up to them, right? Like you said, that's not that's not Biden's place. It's not the United States' place to get involved in it. No, I, I the, have the pro- to agree with that. The problem is that. We we already look super weak from the whole Afghanistan thing, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's why Biden's posturing now. Everybody's already calling him weak, and so he feels like he needs to put some kind of foot up against Putin, especially after Afghanistan. We look right. Looked, oh, like, absolutely. He everybody's like, look, look at him over oh, there. Yeah, you I, think he's going to do anything exactly. for you over here? China exactly. basically said that to Taiwan. Yeah. Oh, look yeah. how they handled Afghanistan. Yeah. Do you think they really have your back? Yeah. The president of China came out and said, look, the United States is not in a position to leverage anything. So according to Putin, he has no desire to go to war. He has no desire to invade Ukraine. But again, he said that in 2014, and then he invaded Ukraine and took Crimea as his own. Yeah. So do we just back off and and just let the cards fall? Because, I mean, that's kind of— so so we get in this situation that's like it could go one way or the other. Maybe yeah. he's right, maybe he's just like, okay, they backed off. I can I have some breathing room now. Let's just go back to being Russia. Or it could be go the direction of Nazi Germany where it's just like, uh he's just just let him do his thing and then all of a sudden he rolls across all of Europe. Well, I- Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well. Okay. Actually, we're gonna take Estonia and Latvia and these guys back too. Yeah. Hey, gr- look, guys. The Soviet Union's got the band back together. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> you know. And and I mean, let's be honest. Biden, you know, doing what he did with Afghanistan already makes us look weak. Mm-hmm. He's gonna back out of Ukraine, right? And people are gonna be like, okay, he really has no teeth. Like, there's he's nothing's gonna stop us. We can we can. We can go over and piss all over his house, and he's not going to do jack shit about it. Sure. So I got a couple more things, then we'll get out of here. One is this op-ed that says, Good morning. World War Three is upon us. Have a nice day. It's this one's short and sweet. cryptic. But the, uh, well, there was 
There was one point I wanted to make because I talked about Nazi Germany. We got to compare everything to Nazi Germany these days, so might as well with this, too. Why not? So this is from Hennessy's View. It must just be like a personal blog or something, but um, it's from Bill Hennessy. It says, Joe Biden, or whoever runs the country, is considering sending thousands of troops to the Baltic to confront Russia. Like we said, yes, we don't think we should go to war, and Biden has said we shouldn't go to war, but— He's already committing 8,500 troops to go to Ukraine. Right. That alone could be enough to tip the scales for Russia to be like, all right, bitches, let's do this yeah. before they get here. Just him committing those troops could be enough yeah. for Russia to feel provoked. Yeah. Says, think back just over a year ago. Uh, then the U.S. and Russia were getting along rather well, despite many U.S. sanctions imposed on Russia, Russian companies and Russian individuals. That was when Trump was president. So obviously this pro-Trump guy. Sure. Uh, with remarkable speed and and celerity, Joe Biden has brought the world to the brink of war. The president is considering sending three to five thousand troops to Romania and Latvia and Lithuania and Estonia as part of a broader NATO effort. So this was before he decided to commit eighty five hundred right. to Ukraine. Other NATO countries may also contribute troops to warn Russian President Vladimir Putin not to try to move into neighboring countries. How much would a world war affect you? Don't answer that. There's more. Uh, the president is also considering deploying naval vessels to make port visits to NATO allies who may feel threatened. Some equipment and troops in these proposed actions would come from Europe and some would come from the U.S. Troops and sailors are going to Eastern Europe. Perhaps the similarity in sound between Baltic and Balkans reminds them of a famous quote by Bismarck. Which this from, I guess this isn't World War II. This is from 1878 in the Balkans. This this was what happened. It says, Europe today is a powder keg, and the leaders are like men smoking in an arsenal. <laughs> I think that's a valid statement. I would say so. Europe is still a powder keg, and people like NATO, Washington, yeah. the UK specifically, are lighting up their cigarettes. It says, a single spark will set off an explosion that will consume us all. I cannot tell you when the explosion will occur, but I can tell you where. Some damn foolish thing in the Balkans will set it all off. Says if you're wondering how Russia's determination to bring Ukraine into its sphere of influence could trigger World War III, consider this paragraph by the American Catholic. So this, oh, okay, this is where uh, Germany got brought in. Says look, looking back, one is struck by how slow contemporaries were to grasp where events were heading. The general feeling was that this crisis would be ultimately resolved and that the war would be avoided, perhaps by a meeting of the great powers. Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Uh, the great meetings between Biden and Putin. Right. Uh, it says Austria used the assassination as a pretext to militarily settle accounts in Serbia. Kaiser Wilhelm, against the advice of wiser heads among his advisor, gave Austria a blank check. Russia would inevitably enter the war on the side of Serbia, which would bring in her ally France. Germany would quickly be fighting a two-front war. The German invasion plan of France required an invasion of Belgium, which would bring Britain into the war. All of these domino actions were clear enough at the time, but the powers that be in each of the great powers assumed their adversaries would back down rather than risk a general war. Such was not the case. You think there's potential for that? Yeah. Like you say, Biden has no intention of going to war. Russia's saying they have no intention of going to war. But at some point, something's going to spark this all off. Right. Where everyone is inevitably in a war that nobody wanted. Right. 
Yeah. Somebody wants the military industrial complex wants it. Yeah, the well, media yeah. wants a war right. because that the ratings go through the yeah. world. The World Economic Forum wants a war. When did when did uh the the uh, 24 hour news cycle start? During a war, the right. Gulf War. Yep. So I mean, they they love that shit. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean it, it's like you said. It, it's the world has always been a powder keg. I yeah. mean, Since World War II, and anything can set it off, and and everybody knows this. Yeah. Right? Everybody knows that anything can set off, set it off at any time. And so, I mean, again, it, it, are you the bigger man by saying no? I'm not getting involved. You no, know, or does that just put a bigger target on you? I don't know. What's the solution? I'm a non-interventionist right. myself. I, I just want to stay the fuck out of it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm that way myself. Unless people are being, like I said, genocided, then yeah. things should... Yeah. People should do something about that, which, again, that would involve going into China yeah. over genocides we talked about last week. Right. Yeah. So how do you handle, how do you handle that shit? Yeah, I mean, again... The United States needs to figure out what the hell they want to do. You yeah. know, what kind of what kind of com- country they want to be. Um, I, I'm with you. I th- I don't think the United States should get involved in that stuff. You know, I, I think we got enough problems going on. We can't win a war as divided as we are currently. Mm-hmm. You know, but I also especially a two front war with two of the biggest superpowers right. in the world. Well, exactly. And again, we're not prepared for that. You know, you know, maybe, you know. Early two thousands, we were, you know, but here we are, twenty years later, and we're not just not we're not there. Mm-hmm. So we're about out of time. I did yeah. want to end this, like go out with a message from your crush, Tulsi Gabbard. Oh yeah, this is what she has to say about a third world war. She's a non-interventionist too, I believe. Let's hear what she has to say. Uh, I got to get some volume. Let's hear what she has to say. Okay. Hey, everybody. I'm just wrapping up my reserve duty here at Fort Bragg in uh, North Carolina. And um, as you know, yesterday, December 7th, was the anniversary of Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor. And so I've just been taking some time to reflect and to think about my brothers and sisters in arms who were killed on that day and how that day of infamy catapulted our country into a world war that resulted in the deaths and suffering of millions of people. And I've been thinking about how infinitely greater the death and suffering will be if we allow the mainstream media, the military industrial complex, self-serving politicians, if we allow them to lead us now into the apocalypse of World War III. So now is the time for anyone who cares for their loved ones, who cares for our fellow Americans, who cares for all all human beings and wildlife, now's the time to be reminded of the grim reality that we all face if we don't stop them. So what do you think of that? Yeah, it makes sense. I agree. I, I have to wholeheartedly agree that we don't want this, guys. Yeah. We don't want World War Three. I mean, it's been kind of a running joke since World War II that World War III is going to kick off. Like, everything yeah. is going to lead up to the start of World War III, and we're like, oh, this is it, guys. Yeah. It's going to be World War III, and we joke about it. Right, right. Like, we have never lived in a time where we've had to deal with a worldwide war. Where, right. I mean, if, if we're pulled into a war with uh, Russia and China, 
Do you think they might have to reinstate a draft? Oh, definitely. Oh, absolutely. 100% yeah. absolutely. It's not going to be an all-volunteer yeah. force at that point. Right. Because we said before, China's just going to throw wave after wave. I mean, that's how right. we end up getting our asses kicked in uh, Vietnam was because yeah. Je- China just started sending wave after wave of yeah. Chinese and, and to, into into uh, Vietnam. Right. We don't want it. We, we don't do- want it. We don't. So all these, all the media that's like, "Hey, we got to do something about Ukraine." All these politicians, yeah. "Hey, we got to do something about Ukraine." It's not do, worth it. Do we, it's not worth it. Do, do we need to? Do yeah. we need, like? Wh- why don't we just maybe um, give him a little bit of slack? Yeah. Like maybe entertain him a little bit and just right. back the fuck off a little bit. Yeah. I know we like to posture and play the world superpower, but right. we're not at a position we're, to play the world superpower right now. We're not the world superpower right now. No, we need to step back and be like, whatever, I'm I'm sorry, Ukraine. Yeah. That's it's out of our hands at this point. Right. Yeah, exactly. You you need to you need to pitch to Putin what you want to do. If you want to join NATO, you talk to him about it. Right. But this isn't our fight. Yeah. It's not worth it for us. No, it's we not. we have we have bigger things to worry about here at home. And again, when you throw the supply lines into it, we can't even like support a war because our supply lines are shit. Well, our, but but <laughs> our war strategy. You got to think about that though. That they would they would take over the supply lines. Yeah, we would not get anything from anybody because they would be completely circumvented by the military. Yeah. So anything that would come from overseas, we would not get. Unless it's coming from Europe, but Europe's right. getting a lot of their shit from well, the same supply I was lines say, that we are. Even those would be cut off. So anything we'd get would only be from in the country. And we've kind of fucked ourselves because we don't make domestic product anymore. Right. Not much anyway. So no. We're so interdependent on these global yeah. uh, trading and stuff that yeah. war's not possible. Like, during World War II, most of our steel and bullets and shit came from, from the here. United States, yeah. Most of our technology came from here. Now that's not the case. A lot of our our raw products come from other countries. Our manufactured products come from other countries. We set that up for the cheap... Cheap labor. The cheap labor, the cheap uh, product. And now, if it came down to war, it wouldn't be anything like World War II because we don't do that. We're not self-dependent anymore. We need to stop, focus on ourselves. It's like... A bad breakup. We need to. We just need to take time for yeah, ourselves. Right, we right. need to. We need to date ourselves for a while. Exactly. Like build ourselves yeah. back up. I think the one thing Trump got right was the need for <laughs> to be more self dependent. Absolutely. So I got to stop and ask the question again: Is this World War Three? No. 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 Because. I, I still I I don't think Biden's going to do anything. I, do you I think, think NATO's going to do anything? Do you think Britain's going to keep poking that bear? I, I think Britain's going to keep poking the bear because they want to be relevant again. Mm-hmm. But I I don't think Biden's going to do it. I, I think Biden's going to piss people off because he's going to he he won't do it. Do you think Russia's going to take over Ukraine? No, not not immediately. I think it'll be like a a slow like like political like takeover. Um, like maybe put in his puppet, right? Put like, in a, like right. Britain warned against. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that they will do that eventually, um, but not immediately. Sure. Um, I think that they, yeah, I think and maybe this scares Putin into the pact to like, oh shit, you know, he, they almost became NATO. I need to put someone in to make sure that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. 
We got to get out of here. We are out of time. Yeah. I did want to end with uh, Tulsi Gabbard warning against not doing this. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm one that's, you know, unless we're directly attacked, there's no reason let's for stay war. The, let's stay the fuck out of it. Exactly. Let's just stay the fuck exactly. out of it. There's no reason for it. Let, let, that, that's I, my, like, final, like, my final answer. I, I think it the was uh, the, the immortal words in the 70s that said, um, war. Ooh, I almost, what is it good for? I was going to actually play. I was going to play that for our pre, our post intro music oh, instead okay. of that like eighty five. But I didn't have time to go look yeah. for it and stuff. So, but yes, what is it good for? Absolutely, good nothing. God, absolutely <laughs> nothing. Yes, yeah. On that note, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> have a great rest of your week. Make sure you check us out all over social media. Come back here for your weekend wrap-up, your weekly dose of the shit that's going on in the world um, that we don't cover in the main episode. Otherwise, once again, be back here for that live stream next Monday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Have a good, good rest of your week. Peace. Goodbye. The Break the Bell podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members. Justin Zelinski, Remzo Martinez, Stephanie Parker, and T.O. Jacobson. A shout out to our sponsors, Run Your Mouth Coffee, the On the Run Podcast, and Goulash Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next week and let us continue to invade your ear holes. And as always, never stop talking.